Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, June the 10th, 2015, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle. I'm in the house with Mr. Bob Ryer. Good evening. And on the line with Ms. Stephanie Cook. Hey, hey, hey. And uh, Steve will be joining us. He's running a little bit late, but he will slide on in here once he arrives. Um, so, yeah, we're back. Stephanie, so, so good to have you back on I the show. I am happy to be back. Like last week, I really didn't want to miss the show, but I had strep throat, and it was easily the worst. I like the worst sore throat I've ever had in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bobby, you were like, "Oh, let's talk about like the show this week," and I'm like, "Well, I have strep," and you're like, "All right, well, see you next week." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh. it was it was awful. Yeah, I um, got strep throat a lot when I was a kid, like up until like I was at kind of early teens. I got strep throat all the time. Uh, <clears throat> um, and it, luckily, I don't really get it anymore. But yeah, like it, at the end of the strep, I finally like my throat was clearing up, and then I started to get like an earache, and I was like, "Oh, so help me! If this becomes an ear infection, I'm gonna flip a table!" Like, you gotta be joking me! Come on, body, get get it together. <laughs> um, but thankfully, the the earache dissipated. Um, pretty quickly, but so awful, so awful. I just wanted to like cry. (laughs) Um, but I I got some some TV show watching done. I finally finished Agent Carter. Um, Nice. And what did you think? So good. Yeah. I can't wait for more. Um, I watched another movie. I watched. Um, Bobby, you you might have seen this already, but uh, Ex Machina. I have not seen it yet. No, I'm very, I very much want to. Uh, I watched it. It's really, really good. Um, awesome. It's the same guy, uh, Dom, Domhnall Gleeson from About yes. Time. Yes. Um, and I didn't realize that he was in it. I didn't even watch a trailer for the movie. Just kind of went in blind knowing it was um, about AI. Um, that was all I knew. And um, it was really, really good. I was pleasantly surprised all around. Um, Bobby, I think you'll definitely like it. And Bob, you too. I think it's a really this, interesting movie. Is this based on the comic book of the same? No, no, it's not. No, okay. I thought the same thing when I saw it, and then no, it's not. Okay. Um, it's very interesting. Uh, Alex Garland, uh, who wrote The Beach, he wrote um, Twenty Eight Days Later, oh. Dread, Sunshine. Uh, it's his directorial debut, and he's one of my favorite screenwriters and so i'm very a couple ex- of big ones in that list yeah I very like too, excited yeah. to see what, the, what it turns into yeah i i was really pleasantly surprised i mean um earlier in the week i could only really like being sick really takes it out of you so i could like watch an episode <laughs> take a nap get up watch another episode of something take a nap um but like near the end of it 
um, when I was kind of awake for, you know, longer than whatever amount of time. Um, that's when I started to watch it, and it was so good. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely recommend it. If you guys are on the fence about it, uh, just commit to it. Go check it out. It's definitely worth your time. Um, I'm really curious to think to, to hear about what other people think of the ending, too, which, um, again, I won't spoil for anyone, but um, was really interesting, a really interesting way to uh, close out the movie. So, yeah. Yeah. I think some of the trailers did it a disservice. The early trailers looked very species-like, that they were all focused on the male gaze of Mm. the thing. But the the later ones showed... The movie is definitely about that, though. The movie Mm -hmm. is about... uh, What I've read in criticism or reviews of the movie and discussion about the movie is it's very much about how men perceive women um, and a lot of of that stuff. So Mm -hmm. Awesome. Great way to turn that around. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like... um, the whole thing kind of revolves around um, Oscar Isaac's character. He's amazing in it too. Mm. Um, uh, he's like the creator of this AI and he brings in um, just like, you know, someone completely that doesn't have any idea about what's going on really uh, this project or anything. And he's basically testing the AI to, mm. you know, see if she uh, passes the Turing test Right. Yeah. Um, so it's largely about um, Donald Gleason's character and um, how he perceives this AI that, like, up until like hours before, he had no idea was even something that could possibly exist. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's a really, really well done movie, and um, the special effects and everything are. I mean, it's nothing over the top, but uh, the stuff that they do use, for instance, um, with the AI character, it just looks amazing. So nice, mm-hmm. yeah. I've heard I've heard nothing but great things about it. And uh, has Oscar Isaac and Domhnall Gleeson are both in Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Yes. Well, <laughs> there you go. That'll help. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, he's great. I mean, Oscar Isaac is just fantastic. He was in. Um, Inside Luland Davis, too, right? Yes, he's a star. Of yeah, Inside that's Luland what I Davis. thought. Um, yeah. He is amazing. And Inside Luland Davis, if you guys haven't seen that, too, is amazing and has a brilliant soundtrack. It's true. Produced by Marcus Mumford from Mumford & Sons. <laughs> Marcus Mumford. Yeah. Banjos. <laughs> Marcus Mumford sounds like some character that Stan Lee invented. It's true. Yeah, actually, it does. Yeah. But his real name was actually Marvin Mumford. He just forgot one. <laughs> yeah. Of yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so this weekend, past weekend, was special edition in New York City. And uh, Bob, Steve, and myself uh, went uh, on Saturday. Uh, and they and they both, and Steve and Bob also went on Sunday. Um, <clears throat> Melissa Megan was also there mm-hmm. uh, both days. And uh, on Saturday, we sat down at the end of the uh, of the day on Saturday and recorded a little a little uh, you know twenty minute recap or so uh, of the show. So um, you guys are going to hear that right here, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk more about the show and and Bob will let me know other stuff that went on in the day. So here is a little going back in time to New York special edition. All right, I don't know how that fan's going to sound, but we'll we'll make it work. It's all right. I've, I've recorded on the show floor of New York Comic Con with, like, a band playing behind me, and you can hear the people talking, so I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> These mics are pretty good about that. Um, 
All right, special edition New York City uh, first day. I'm here with Steve Say, Bob Ryer, and Melissa Megan. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, why, hello. So, uh, Bob, tell me how your day's been so far. Started out, I was pretty darn crabby. <laughs> Just leave it at that. Uh, got here reasonably early, considering, and there was one line. Just one line. Ticket holders, ticket buyers, the press. The only thing that wasn't online was, was talent. <laughs> and, we were, and Lauren, who was online with us, was joking. Well, that'd be great. We, we've got, you know, uh, Steve, oh, was you, Steve, saying Steve Amell's on the line and he gets destroyed. <laughs> you know, the talent's out on the line. Once I got it moving, it really did move quickly. But there was this moment where the, I guess they were sorting out the new venue. Mm -hmm. But it's, it, it's a little more crowded in some aisles than others. Some of the aisles seem a little shorter. Mm -hmm. But it's laid out fairly nicely. It's compact. You know? Well, we're, we're sitting, what would be in the middle of like the like I guess exhibitors, like the mm -hmm. the, yeah. the selling books, the selling, and toys selling and books, stuff. and there's like we've got a lot of room. I can put my arms all the way out. I wouldn't be touching yes. anybody, which is very different from New York Comic Con. Um, yeah, I mean, I like the fact that there's like you can walk around and talk to people, and you, you know, I, I like how intimate it is. I mean, I wish there was probably maybe a little bit more. Here, but other than that, I mean, I think it's it's great. It's there no like no really except for Valiant, no really major publishers have a, a, pre no. a pre uh, presence here, um, which which I think is a shame for as far as far as just like getting access to those books in, in a place. But obviously, a lot of retailers are here to, right. to kind of access fill that void. to creators though. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah. really sweet. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, for absolutely. people who pass on this because mm -hmm. it's not the big show, mm -hmm. depends why you're coming. If you're coming for panels, it's a little underwhelming, yeah. and you can't even hear yourself think that's a complaint yeah. for another moment. Yeah. But if you want to go to a creator, buy a book, get a print, have a conversation, just say thank mm -hmm. you, this is the show to come to. Awesome. Steve, how is your uh, day going so far? Uh, my day's been interesting. I, I don't know how much I'm digging on the venue. Um, their bathroom situation is deplorable. There's one bathroom for all of these people, and it is gross. However, um, I am enjoying kind of the like like the the accessibility of of the creators and how you can just walk up to people. That doesn't always happen in New York City Comic Con with special edition. It's a little bit more intimate. There's a little bit more of an opportunity, especially if you get here early. Um, earlier today, I walked right up to Katie Cook. I got, you know, three of her uh, little custom cards made, no problem, had a really nice conversation. Uh, I got to sit down with Joe Kelly for a little while and just chat, uh, Paul Tobin and Colleen Coover and catch up with them. And, um, you know, despite maybe not being, like, it's not bright in here, which it's like it's kind of dark and viney and there's weird tubing going on, but... Um, not the staff, but like the people that are here, the um, like the exhibitioners and the people selling things. Everybody's been super, super friendly and super approachable, um, which has been absolutely wonderful. Because I mean, there's nothing more than when you're walking around in a bunch of cr in a crowded space than to anyone you bump into, they apologize for it. They ask you how you're doing. Are you having any fun? Um, do you want to check out what they have to to offer you and stuff like that? And um, I picked up a lot of really great uh, creator-owned stuff today. And everything gets signed, which is amazing. So things that you would normally buy in the shops, you find here, the money goes directly to the creators. You get a nice conversation with them. You get something drawn in your book, something signed, something personal. And, you know, you move on to the next thing. And it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. I'm exhausted, but it's fun. Melissa. Hi. 
How is your day going? Wonderful. Now. <laughs> <laughs> We're sitting. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I had a, a hard start because I did lose my luggage. Uh, well, I didn't lose it. It was switched. Somebody took my luggage and I took somebody else's luggage. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but now that that's solved, um, I, I mean, this is my first special edition this year. And everything that I like at New York Comic Con is what's here. So this has been perfect for me because I don't go to panels normally at Comic-Con. They're too crowded for me, and I don't like to wait that long. Um, and I feel like I don't usually get to meet as many creators as I want to because at Comic-Con, the lines are just insane. Um, so this is perfect because this is, what I, this is what I like to do is just go and, like, meet people and get some stuff signed, buy some artwork, you know. Um, I've got a, a full book with my sketchbook today. <laughs> Everybody's passing my book around, so <laughs> I'm excited about that. Cool. Um, yeah, and got some great deals on books. Yeah, so. that, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. What I noticed first thing walking into, walking around where all the creators are is, A, I mean, the line for Spider-Gwen has been ridiculous and has not been, has not, I feel like it just keeps, like, growing. And, like, it, it never it never stops, which is amazing. Um, and uh, same for, like, Becky Cloonan and, and um, Annie Wu and, uh, and Brendan Fletcher and Carl Kershaw. And what I love, too, is, like, walking out on the floor and you see kids and families and lots and lots of women and it's like it's it's awesome you know it's like it's a totally different vibe than even like a couple of years ago when we were going to New York Comic Con the first New York Comic Con like you know there, there would be kids like on Sunday and stuff like that but here it seems much more like d diverse and, and sh I think much more showing the the kind of change that it, that is that is coming and continues to happen in the comic book world which is really nice and you know as a parent I look around here and I think this, I could handle this with a kid. Yeah. New York Comic Con, I couldn't. There's I no way I could imagine walking around with a child. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine it either. But I can here, barely. you know, there's elbow room. Yeah, and yeah. Like you, can, you can walk around with a stroller, and it, yeah. you, don't, you know, a kid's not going to take off into the crowd in five seconds yeah. and be gone. It's hard so, enough walking around with Steve in New York Comic Con, so. It's, it's similar. <laughs> it's similar. <laughs> Actually, Becky Clunan was one of the people that I tried to, I went to her Mm -hmm. Booth four times today. Yeah, but two of those times I got to actually talk to her. Oh wow! Even with a line. That's so, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that would have happened at Comic Con. No, probably not. Probably not. So Bob, tell me. We got. We, we've very been very positive. Tell okay. me about the panel situation. <laughs> For those who remember the old icon back when they did everything in a gym, mm -hmm. an open air gym, and people screaming and the whole show floor, the two panels. Are, it's your cubicles at work, basically. <laughs> it's, it's some steel racks with curtains. There's theater, theater, no less. With, is it spelled R-E? Are they the posh theaters, no less? <laughs> theater. One and two. And they're next to each other, separated by a curtain. With five giant speakers, you can't hear the panelists. And if you sort of can, when they raise that mic, you then can't hear the questions. <laughs> you can't hear yourself, but you can hear next door. So we were at a panel where they're apologizing. Uh, Carolyn, who was with me, Carolyn Coco, who's sitting to our she, my she's right. She's sitting over she, here she silently. Will be, she will be on eventually. <laughs> uh, we eventually, Melissa and Steve left the one panel because you couldn't hear the questions. At the next panel we were at, the creators were saying afterwards they would have had other information for us, but they figured it throwing it out into the air that no one could mm. hear you. You can get into the panels as opposed to right. your Comic-Con, which is great. Mm. You just can't hear them. Yeah. So I'm not sure which is, which is a bigger insult. Yeah. That I can't get in even if I go two hours early or I get in and can't hear it. Yeah. I'm debating. I, you know, it feels to me like 
they were kind of searching for the right space because mm -hmm. the Javits is way too big, way too big. And this is the right size, but the amenities really to have a convention aren't really here, yes. you know. And so hopefully they'll be able to kind of narrow nail that down because I think the vibe and the idea of it is fantastic. Beautiful. Yes, absolutely. I just think that they have to kind of get over the growing pains. So what panel did you guys leave? What was it? The, Marvel's uh, next big What's thing. next in Marvel? Yeah. Or something? I mean, you know, we walked in, we sat down, and I mean, one of the things, you know, when they, when they allow people to come up and they ask their questions and stuff, they don't explain to people how it works. That, like, you need to talk into the microphone so people stand back from the stuff because they don't want to, like, be spitting all over and whatever. But they don't realize that not only can the audience not hear, but the panelists can't hear them either. Um... So, I mean, on more than two occasions, I heard them answer something that was completely not even the question. They just kind of steamrolled into the next uh, topic matter. But, I mean, that's going to happen when you got fans going on. Um, and when the panel next to you is louder than the one that you're attending, it's, it's really difficult to, uh, to discern what's going on. But we got to see a lot of, you know, pretty pictures on the screen and find out what's coming up. Um, I mean, there's a couple of things that I'd like to see uh, for this con when they do it. Uh, hopefully they do it again next year because it really is something cool to come to if you don't want to do, like, the hustle and bustle or if you can't make it to New York City Comic Con because of the crazy ticket situation. This definitely is a great alternative. Um, but they need to step it up a little bit. They need to they need to step up the communication between the staff. Um, Bob and I ran into a situation where we were waiting online with everybody else, and when we made it to the head of the line they immediately sent us to another line. And that line, we walked past it on the way in and asked about it, and we had three people tell us no, and then we had the main guy tell us no, and then we had two other people tell us, yes, go over there. And we could have been in, and just by all logic, press, if you're covering the event, maybe we should be in here looking around and kind of you know discerning what the situation is, and you're keeping us from doing our jobs. Um, and they also need to step it up with the food situation because having like cold hot dogs and a couple of muffins is not going to cut it. Um, Steve is upset that the but like I said, it, the 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 people that are in attendance for it more than make up for that. Steve is upset upset that the empanadas weren't here. Yeah, and what the hell, man? Yeah, those the empanada are good empanadas. Cart. I'm weeping for the empanada cart. See, I, I bypassed lunch entirely. I went to that section. And there was a bigger line for the cold hot dogs as there was for Becky Cloonan. And similarly for coffee, so I just had a glass of wine. I figured it was 5 o'clock somewhere and just sat down. Yep. Drowned my <laughs> sorrows. So uh, one really big piece of news that did come out of the show today, which I didn't really expect any big news to come out, is that uh, Brian Michael Bendis is writing uh, Invincible Iron Man after, after Secret Wars with David Marquez on the art. Um, what we, we, we don't know too much right now. We know that mm -hmm. uh, Tony is back. Bob has some notes, so I have I'm going to let Bob take over. If I can find my notes. Wait, I, can, I already got into D.C. <laughs> well, Tony is Iron Man. Yeah. That's, you know, mm. with, there was speculation about that. There'll be all new Tony-centric villains, and Tony will have a new girlfriend. Right. So Pepper may still be, all be in the all-new, all-difference, which yes. is good. So yeah. She'll be around, but not as part of that book. But Bendis was saying that 
the real problem with where Iron Man has been lacking in the books is he's the linchpin of the cinematic universe, and the books, no matter who's been on them, has, they've underperformed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so now we'll change how that all sort of works, yeah. and he needs his own new rogues gallery and whatever. Sounded very enthusiastic about it. Yeah. yeah. It's just, I want to see it done, so I'm going to do it. Yeah. And it wasn't what I was expecting, but we, like, like you said, like it makes sense, right? Because... Marvel, like Iron Man's so popular in the kind of public consciousness, but not never really has gotten real much bigger in the comics than he was too much before mm. the movies came out. So, to have you take your the your the writer you have that can bring the most people, most the most butts in the seats, put them on the character and and, and see what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's a it's a cool idea. I'll certainly be checking out at least mm. um, you know a few issues of it to see to see where he goes with it. And David Marquez is a great artist. Um, a lot of Ultimate Spider-Man work and some other stuff as well. Uh, really, really good. So I'm looking forward to seeing what, what that book ends yeah. up being. Um, and it's our first hint, right, of really what it's going to be like post. He's really the first team we've heard, definite team we've heard yeah. for like a new number one. Everything else has been sort of offshoots of what Secret War, Battle World, Battle Zone, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Bots. I don't know. We know A-Force is going to continue, yes. I'm guessing, with the same team. But, you know, that's, that's a different sort of announcement. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they talked about the Angelo book. The yeah, the Angel two Angela book. Yes, but they're yeah. all part of what this Secret is. Wars. This, yeah. yeah, and books that books that existed before the the event will exist after, most likely mm -hmm. with the same teams they had before. Like yeah. Ms. Marvel will most likely be the same team. I'm gonna guess Silver Surfer will still be there, stuff like that. So this is the first like new new book we've gotten any real word on. Yeah, um, and uh, we have a bunch of stuff that Marvel kind of came out with this week that we'll talk about when we're back on the regular show, which you're hearing at the same time, but when we get back into studio, let's say, we'll, uh, we'll be talking about the all, all the other all new, all different Marvel yeah. announcements. Um, any other stuff that you got in your notes there, Bob? Well, um, what they did announce was they did these True Believers reprints mm -hmm. recently. Yes. So in September, they're going to do 10 Women of Marvel reprints mm -hmm. of She-Hulk, uh, Squirrel Girl, Black Widow, all those number ones that have now gotten insane mm -hmm. they're all coming thor number one. Oh wow nice for, for a buck nice that's great and they're also going to do uh manga variants so mara will be very happy <laughs> and they're doing cosplay variants where the judy stevens who we met are at the first show who, who was cosplaying captain marvel at first nycc we went to she's their director of such things she went all over the country doing these people who are the, the highlight stars so jay justice who's always on gail simone's mm -hmm. site was doing she hulk i think it was and it looks really like a lot of fun. So they're, they're just we're talking about everything changing a little bit. Just our three years of coming here, you can see the attention to detail to this new audience. Mm -hmm. They're here, they're buying stuff, mm -hmm. and they're they're being I don't want to say catered to, but what they are is they're being addressed as an audience in a way yeah. that hasn't been before. Absolutely. And I, the highlight for me today, I said this to Melissa before, while I was sitting with my wine, just sort of looking around. <laughs> uh, two Five o'clock in the morning. Two <laughs> Five o'clock somewhere. That's what I'm saying, and I'm sticking to it. Walking toward me was this uh, woman, was probably six foot tall, doing Wonder Woman the classic outfit with the, with the cape, no less, mm -hmm. with a full full on sort of return of Superman, Superboy, mm -hmm. the, the jacket, and yeah. the glasses, what the whole work. There was a dad with his little girl. She just come out of a stroll. Was probably about four, and brought her over to take a picture. And she was standing under this very statuesque woman, just looking up with the biggest eyes and the broadest smile and the cosplayer just did the whole Wonder Woman thing, arm around her shoulder and I walked up behind them as they left and thanked the little girl for being a new fan and, and the dad, I went, you know, this is, makes my whole day. Mm. 
this is what this is about moving forward is getting yeah. kids and families mm -hmm. and the new audience again. Yeah. And that's this kind of event is so embracing, so mm -hmm. inclusive. This is it's where great. we're at. Yeah. It's great. You know, and the big companies are obviously they're kind of big tankers, right? They take they take some time to turn. To turn yes. And, and now it seems like they both are turning at the same time and now they're kind of hitting at the same time. You know, I think when we have when the uh, you know, the, the DC stuff that came out this week, there you see a lot more a lot of difference happening there. When Marvel comes back from Secret Wars, you're going to see a lot of difference. Hopefully that just keeps going. And then the sales numbers reflect it, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the Thor has been wildly more successful in the last eight issues than it was before. Uh, and and that's saying something about, about what, what's going on. Uh, I saw some cool, we saw that, the, that Hawkman, which was pretty cool. Yes. Awesome. Um, takes a lot of guts to walk around without your shirt on. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we are staring at the, at the butt of a plastic man. Yeah, <laughs> we are. Who's a, who is talking to Nightwing. Old. His legs are oddly pink. Yeah. <laughs> I, think I think he's, he's wearing tights. got on tights. Yeah. Steve. Yeah. Looks like, he's, hope. looks like he's talking to Nightwing and a Batgirl. Yeah. Um, I saw an awesome uh, uh, Roy Harper from Arrow cosplay. So those who, people who do like the Arrow stuff, right? Like that's like looks like an expensive costume. It's like leather and like all oh, like it's all building up like a real bow. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty impressive. People stepped up their game. Yeah. yeah. So Ms. Marvel and a and a Captain Marvel mm -hmm. walking together. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it was awesome. Melissa and I earlier we saw the entire cast of Street Fighter Two. It was incredible. Like super Street Fighter Two. And we actually caught them on the street outside on yeah. the curb. I mean, how yeah. many were there? Like nine, eleven? There was a bunch of them. The whole crew, yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. It was so good. And I love that they all had name tags on too. Yeah, they were great. Um, <laughs> there were a lot. There was a really cool stormtrooper, kind of like a Viking stormtrooper running around earlier, um, holding Chewie's head. That was uh, very nice. The we want uh, widow flash mob uh, happened earlier today around noon uh, out front uh, of the con, and basically it was um, a thing that happened all over the nation. A bunch of cities uh, organized. Who organized that again? Kristen Riley. There you go. Yep. She and be, um, I think she used to do Geek Girl Con. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like they had the, the hashtag, we want Widow, and a bunch of people came, um, men and women, in support of the character, trying to raise awareness, maybe get a solo film done. Um, the novel's supposed to be coming out soon. And um, just basically raising awareness and saying that, you know, we love this character and we want more of her. And uh, it was really exciting to see people getting involved with that. And uh, I hope that there's more of that at, at these things in the future. Melissa, yeah, cool. you see any other really good cosplay? Oh gosh, I was I, I I was really impressed with the kids. Yeah, just like Bob, I saw so many kids this time, and they all had really great cosplay. A lot more little girls than little boys, I have to say. A lot of little girls. I gotta tell you, girls are a lot more dedicated to dressing up than, than guys are. <laughs> the guys, some of the guys are awesome, but like, there's like a meticulousness to the the costumes that like like the girls do. It's just awesome. It's amazing. Yeah, it shows like such a dedication to like getting every detail right about it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, a lot of a lot of bitch. A lot of parents had to stay up pretty late to get those costumes ready to go. <laughs> there, there was one. Uh, I don't. I can't remember which character it was in the Street Fighter group. There, but there was one guy mm -hmm. who was cross dressing. Oh, really? Yeah. And I thought, I wonder if they if they just had like the wrong number of male versus female in the right. group, and they said, well, guess what? You have to be yeah. the, the girl. <laughs> I mean, it's just his favorite character. Maybe. Yeah. Um, any other highlights for you before we get out of here, Melissa? 
Um, the highlights for me were definitely just getting to talk to car uh, creators today. Like Becky Cloonan, yeah. who was really super nice and amazing, yeah. and she talked to everybody in line for a long time, mm -hmm. which maybe <laughs> made the line a little slower. But that's all right. Um, I got to talk to David Mack, and he's doing some work for me tonight. Oh, cool! That's awesome. Really, that's gonna be gorgeous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's. It, I have a brand new sketchbook that I made for this this one, and he's breaking it in. He's doing the oh, first wow. piece of art in it. So awesome! That's super great. Super excited about that. Yeah, that'll be great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I got to talk to Ming Doyle. She was really cool. Oh, nice! I didn't know she was here. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So a lot of creators that I normally wouldn't have a chance to talk to. Sweet. That, that's the exciting thing That's for me. great. Yeah, and that's always the best part. Yeah. Tell those people to create those things that you love. And it's one of the great things about comics, right, B above any other industry, I feel like. They're so, it's so accessible. You know, these people who, like, write these books that, you know, hundreds of thousands of people might read that, that are hugely influential culturally, and then they're just sitting at a table, and you can just walk up to them and just talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> A little Batman walking around. And I think I think that's one of the ways that the industry is changing that is a positive thing, is, mm -hmm. is becoming more accessible. Yeah. Where for a long time it seemed like we were going in a direction, you know, with all the movies taking mm -hmm. over Comic-Con, it was going away from that. Where yeah. everything was too big and nobody could get in to see anything or see anybody. Mm -hmm. So, and I think in order for it to go the other way, for it to keep being accessible, the creators have to be a big part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Make themselves accessible. Absolutely, yeah. So. Absolutely. Bob, any last highlights for you? Well, to amplify what you guys are saying, those creators in this generation, they were us. Mm -hmm. They're fans, and maybe they understand more than yeah. those people a few years back when totally. they've gotten so big mm -hmm. you know, in their old variant cover, shiny die cut, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Now it's these people have grown up in a different industry, and we need to react to each other a little bit more. Absolutely. I just want to share a little story that I heard um, from somebody about Brian Michael Bendis, who okay. I wasn't in line for, but apparently his line was really long today I bet. Yeah. <laughs> to get signings. There was a really nice young kid standing behind me for Becky Cloonan, and he said he was waiting in that line for two and a half hours. And at one point, Brian got up and walked off stage, and everybody thought he was going to leave. <laughs> but he came out with handfuls, armfuls of potato chips and passed out <laughs> chips to everybody in line. And I thought that was really sweet, like yeah. checking on everybody to make sure they were all okay. Yeah. He's like, don't worry, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> that Sat is back great. down and kept going until every person was out of the line. So That's really great. Yeah. It's great to hear. Yeah. Any more highlights from you, Bob? No, I'm no? done. Steve? Uh, yeah, no, I've got two things. Um, ran into our friend Super Bad Larry and his family earlier today and had an absolutely hilarious conversation with his son. Uh, he was asking me, first of all, he doesn't specifically ask more than he yells at you, and it's absolutely adorable, and he's like, who's your favorite Avenger? And I told him that it was She-Hulk, and the look on his face just dropped, he's like, that's not an Avenger, and I'm like, of course she is, he's like, I meant from the movie, and I'm like, well then I don't know, he's like, well then why am I talking to you? It was amazing, he was so funny. Um, and the other highlight for me, um, I, I always love running into Joe Kelly. Um, he had some really exciting news to share with me about the movie uh, for I Kill Giants, and he, he told me I could, uh, I could share it. They have found their director, and they have began, uh, begun casting for the film, and he is writing the screenplay. So not only is everything that's in the book going to be in the film, but he's expanding the story. Um, but it's all him. So it's not like it's new people coming in to modify it and change it to make it more, you know, 
adaptable to film. He's in charge of all of that stuff. And he's bringing in um, other creators from like the Ben 10 company and all of that stuff to um, help make the film. So if you guys are into I Kill Giants, it's going to be amazing, I'm sure. And every little tidbit that I get about that movie, I get more and more excited for it. So that's, uh, that's pretty it, it for me. And, of course, walking around with the lovely <laughs> Melissa Megan all day. Steve just reminded me. I feel like I have to give a shout-out to Superbad Larry now because he's been, like, last night he picked up Lauren and I at the hotel, drove us down to Barcade, which I've never been to, and I had a bad day yesterday, <laughs> and he made it better. He awesome. said, I'm going to take you to a bar that is full of arcade games, and we're going <laughs> to play games, and he gave me a handful of quarters, and we had a blast. That's awesome. Yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's awesome. He's a really good guy, yeah. And he really made my weekend, like, so much better. So, That's awesome. Yeah. I think that's a great way to, to leave off this little special edition check-in. So for Steve, Bob, and Melissa, I am Bobby. And, uh, well, you guys are going to hear us just talking a couple minutes, so I'm not really going to say goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> see, see you in a second. All right, we're back. What a, what a great little great thing to go inside baseball. Yeah. We just kept recording. We didn't really stop. So. <laughs> that was so long. Such a long break, Bobby. <laughs> yeah, we just yeah. sat here for 20 minutes and listened to ourselves talk. Uh, so, yeah, so... Um, that was that was day one, and it, it was it was a lot of fun. It was really great to see M- Melissa and um, run into to Harry and 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 to see. I haven't seen. I don't think I've seen Carolyn since Guardians of the Galaxy. Could have been maybe. Yes. Yeah. Um, so uh, so it's been a while there too. With Lauren, uh, obviously, it was it was it was a lot of fun. Um, it, it was good times. Um, but uh, tell me about Sunday, Bob. Well, Sunday opened. Oddly, I'll just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Lauren, uh, Lauren Colleagues, uh, who you know from our forums and will be writing some stuff from us, was a VIP member for years and was buying ahead. And in the new NYCC debacle with tickets, she got shut out, badly shut out. She waited online Saturday. She got there at 8 in the morning and was about 4,000th online. Got in, they cut the line off after an hour, then sent everyone back in and cut it off again. And she waited four hours or so online inside and didn't get any tickets. Like two, pe- two people in front of her <laughs> di- got the last ticket. And the next morning, she was up at about 5.30. Next to us, next to our hotel, uh, Steve t- definitely took a picture of this. There was a big sign, Shaftway, mm-hmm. which was, you know... Mm-hmm. Sort of apt concern was going on with tickets. Lauren ran over there. She did her morning jog and figured, I'll go see what's going on. There were already hundreds and hundreds of people lined up at 5.30 in the morning. Oh and she went back an hour later, much worse, and she came back and said, well, the heck with this, and mm. wasn't even going to bother. So we were going we to have brunch and just walk in a little later because we discovered this year, as we just talked about, they lined everybody up at once. So you might as well get there a little later and just walk through the front door mm-hmm. once they let everybody in. Why stand around outside? So we're walking over, and she was really not feeling it. Really was. Uh, she was our host for the whole weekend. She, she shared a hotel room with Melissa, uh, put Steve and I up in, her, in another room next door. She had some bonus points or whatever and got us a really lovely room. And so here's this poor woman really trying hard to have a great weekend, and it's all going down the drain because of internet scalpers and robotic calling and who, you know all the crap that now plagues these things. We get there, and she just wants to go into the showroom. Come on, just take a look at the line. There are about 50 people on the line. Not so bad. Let's go. I start to hand me a piece of paper, fill out your name and address, and I don't even need one. She had, and 
I did one of these yesterday. And she starts looking through her purse. And two people confront us. We're not waiting for any more people to come. Let's just wait online. It's another about 50 people total. As a guy comes over, you know, we're starting to run low. Oh, I don't want to hear that. What's low? I, just we're running low. So, you know, we it's it's those cattle pens they make, with, mm. uh, like at the bank, so the in and out. We get around where we're about 10 people from the front, and the line's now moving pretty quickly. We get to the front, and the lady's pointing, uh, the third guy down. He's yelling at us, hurry up, get over here, hurry up. We get to the line. Uh, your information, and gives her, she gives her name, and look, finds her paperwork, and he's putting in, I think you're in, but I'm not sure. Because it's taking a long time. He's got a laptop mm. in front of him. Uh, it's populating. I'm not sure. Wait, you're in. Okay, credit card, no, we're paying cash. You just got the last four-day pass. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it made for a much happier rest of the day. I bet. Ne- needless, <laughs> yeah. needless to say. But we, we, there are still people behind us who are now reduced. Three-day passes are already gone. We're down to individual days. You can only buy one day for each lanyard you had, basically. So I think there are going to be there's definitely one event coming at Midtown Comics where they're going to throw some other tickets back. They reclaimed a bunch of tickets from scalpers. You have to mm. hope they do some more of that. Next year, hope they do things a little differently. As to the show itself, the special edition show is very old-fashioned in that it's about creators. Mm. I imagine, uh, Stephanie, you always talk about the the TCAF being it's a creator-centric show. Mm-hmm. That's what special edition is sort of like. Artist Alley is the whole thing. There are some vendors, and they're comic book vendors. It isn't all tchotchkes and weirdness. Mm-hmm. It's comic books, gold and silver, discount trades, discount everything. But if you want to walk up to a table, provided it wasn't, Robbie Rodriguez and Jason Latour. Right. Uh, Annie Wu mm-hmm. was very busy, as was Marguerite Bennett. Yep. Who I spoke to, and I, you know, I found a little moment. I congratulated her, and she said, "You know, I didn't think Annie was going to show up. I had brought a book to read because <laughs> I thought, who's going to come to see me?" Yeah. I went, "Well, yeah, everybody now." <laughs> but you could, if provided you could wait a little bit, you could get to see and talk to and and just hang out. And that was just—it's really lovely to be able to do in, in this day and age. We had first thing I did. I know I wanted to go see uh, Colin Coover and Paul Tobin mm-hmm. about Bandette. And good thing I went first because as the weekend went on, they were busy. Yeah, it's just the, the creators who have something really happening. It's it's crowded, but what's fun standing in the crowd listening to the interactions. Mm-hmm. So I hope they do this again. I think this venue was a little bit of a challenge. <laughs> yes, it was. We talked about that in the first yeah. part, but and. <sighs> Maybe next year. Maybe next year they'll have the, the bugs ironed out. If <clears throat> if there is another one and you people who are listening want to come to New York for something that's a little more personal, mm-hmm. this is the one to come to. It might be a nice warm-up for yeah. NYC. It doesn't even warm you up for it. You're probably it's right. so different. I mean, we talked about this. You know, I, I think the one thing that it can benefit from is is more of the more publisher presence being there. I don't even talk about yes. Marvel in DC. Mm-hmm. Only, the only publisher that was there was Valiant. Uh, they were doing land off of business. Oh my God. They were they were packed. ridiculous. Yeah. They were they were selling. You could get five number one trades for thirty dollars. That's what they were doing. Yeah. So the number, and then they were doing any any five trades for fifty dollars. So what any so anything you wanted, mm-hmm. uh, which was which was crazy. But you know, no image, no dynamite, no dark horse, no IDW. Yeah. So um, you know, I think it could have used a, a couple more publisher presence because I think that would that would be a little bit more. There'd be more to do on the floor other than talk yeah. to the creators i think but 
it did definitely have a, a much more personal feel, you know, and you could talk to people and yeah, it was great to, it was interesting to walk through artist alley. Um, it wasn't even really artist alley. It was like creator alley. Cause yes. there was just as many writers there as there were mm-hmm. artists there. Uh, and just, and just, and just, just, Oh, Oh, that was a miss. That was a mess up. That hasn't happened. That hadn't happened at all yeah. last week. Wasn't my fault. Um, I, <laughs> I think, yeah. but no, it's going. So we're fine. That's weird. Okay. All right. So <laughs> that was a little bit of a weird thing. So anyway, um, uh, so, you know, walking through, it was very interesting to look at who had lines and who didn't. And, and like you said, I'm, I'm sure, because if you go to Artist Alley at New York Comic Con, most of the time, except for a very few amount of writers, uh, they don't really have lines. The, the writers don't have mm-hmm. lines because that's not what people are there for. But here, the write, some of the writers had just as long a lines as, as, as the artists did. Charles Soule had a big line. He did for yeah. most of the weekend. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, I, w- I mean, Snyder was there on Sunday. I was, I, I, I wasn't there. I'm sure that he had a huge, huge. line. Yeah, oh, it wrapped around four times. They were lined up an hour before he was going to get there. Yeah. And as we were leaving for the day, there was somebody still waiting on the line. I, we were, he was having lunch with us, basically mm-hmm. sitting around in the food court. Yeah. Uh, Oh, they had something at the food court. Digressing. <laughs> uh, kettle chips, dill pickle, thick Ooh. sliced dill pickle mm. potato that sounds, chips. That sounds good. Yeah. That sounds really good. Missed one of the, I think there were $6 a bag because it's the convention, <laughs> but other than that. Yeah, but Scott had a huge line that just didn't go anywhere because everybody had a box. Yeah. And a rolling luggage with yeah. books to sign. And he said on Twitter that he was going to have early copies of Batman 41 oh. that he was going to give out to people who were there. Um, let people read it before it was out. So it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it sounded like, other than the venue, I think it was a pretty successful weekend. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I hope they do do it again and I hope they just find the right place for it. And I think if they find the right place for it, then they're gonna, it's going to be a great success for yeah. them. Yeah, I don't think this one was. But no. The other one was too big. This was too weird. Yeah. Maybe the actual Chelsea Piers, for those who know New York, is mm-hmm. a little further down convention area. There's other stuff to do more. That's a... That area of town, the cruise ships all pull right in there. The Intrepid's there. Mm-hmm. Lots of tourists. Lots of parking problems. Yeah. It's a food desert. Yeah, it is a food, definitely a food desert. Let me tell you my little story about... I'll tell you my one story that nothing to do with the convention. So uh, I got in, and I got off the train, and I, I wasn't... It was probably like... It was probably like a... 20 minute walk from the train station i think it was gonna yeah. be and i was i had gone in late anyway so i wanted to get there so um i uh pulled out my phone and i got, went to the uber app and uber, if you don't know uber is like a cab service it it's a private company and they just kind of enlist drivers to come around and you can call them on your phone they pick you up they drop you off and whatever it's you know and it all goes through your paypal so there's no like cash being passed along there's no yeah. haggling over tips whatever it might be it's all put in there i uh, used to tell when i was in san francisco and it and it was and it was awesome. Um, I had the two worst Uber experiences <laughs> of my life. First, you know, so you set your address, and I set the exact place I was standing on, on, on this map. It shows exactly where I'm standing. It, it goes pings to their GPS and gives them the exact route to where I'm standing. Um, and and it, what does it, it gives you the driver's number and it gives the driver your number so that you guys can communicate if, if anything goes wrong. So this guy calls me and I can barely understand him. And he, uh, he, he's like, uh, where are you? And I was like, I'm at the address that it says on the thing. He's like, you're right there. He's like, and he's like near the hotel or parking garage. And I was like, yeah, there's a hotel and a parking garage here. There's a hotel and a parking garage on every, yes. on every block of New York city. But I was like, yeah, that's, I'm right there. He goes, okay, I'm going to have to, 
he's like, are you on 34th Street? I said, no, I'm on 33rd Street, just like it says on the freaking thing. And he goes, okay. Uh, he goes, I have to circle around. So he circles around. And at first I was like, where are you? Because I'll walk out. And he's like, he says, he's like, I'm on 34th Street. And I'm like, but where on 34th Street? I don't know. It's a long street. So I'm like, I'll just wait here. So finally he gets there. And I, honestly, by the time I got in the cab, I probably could have been almost to the wow. command center by then. But I got in the cab. And we start leaving, and he goes, um, what route do you want me to take? And I said, I, I just take the route that's going. He's like, okay, you want me to follow the GPS? And I was like, yeah. Um, I don't know how to get I don't know how to get there otherwise. He goes, oh, you don't know any shortcuts? He goes, because it takes a little longer on the GPS. I was like, just just follow the GPS. Like, I just want to get to the place. I shouldn't, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't feel like I have a better grasp of how to get to this place than you do. Yeah, You're the one yeah. driving me there. Just look at the GPS and go. So that was he was that was fine. He was a little bit inept, but he was at least pleasant. On my way back, I did the same thing. I was right in front of the the pier, and I I hit the thing. The guy calls me, and he's like, "I just want to make sure uh, you are where it says you are." I was like, "Well, I'm at, like at pier ninety two to ninety four, like because that's what that's what it mm-hmm. said." And he dropped me off. And he's like, "Are you upstairs or downstairs?" I was like, "I have no idea what that means. I'm on the street. You yeah. know, I'm right in front <laughs> of the building. There's no upstairs. There's no road upstairs." Um. And 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 I'm like, where are you? He's like, oh, I'm at 55th. And I was like, well, you have to just cross over, come into the, come into the pier. He's like, well, I'd be upstairs or downstairs. And I'm like, I'm sitting on the street right here. I can I, I can see 55th Street. And he's like, he's like, well, now I'm on 57th Street. You took too long. So he says, he says to me, you yeah, took too long. I was like, I I, to, I'm, I, I said standing to him, still. I said to him, I'm just telling you where I am. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm exactly oh. where it says I am. So finally, he gets in there. He pulls in. I get in the car and he starts driving and he goes past the thing and then there's a sign where it says Pier 92, which is much more of like a smaller industrial building and it has like it has like another parking level above it. And he goes, he starts he starts like accosting me. He goes like, see, this is Pier 92. This is Pier 92. He's like, you said you were at Pier 92. That's Pier 94. And I was like, okay, you're right. Like I don't know yeah, what to tell yeah. you. Just drop me off where I need to freaking go. Like just get me there. This is supposed to be a pleasant experience. Now I feel uncomfortable yeah. sitting in the back of this cab with you. So that was the end of my. Experience. How much does an Uber ride cost you from the pier to? Um, it was um, it was like twelve bucks or something like that. Okay. Yeah. A cab would have been reasonably the same. Yeah, maybe a little bit more, but well, you have to hail gotta, down a cab, right? You know how hard it is to hail down a cab on the West Side Highway. Uh, you got to whistle at them. It's nearly impossible. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, cab drivers in Manhattan. To, Real cab drivers, not gypsy mm. cab drivers. Mm. The guys with medallions. That, yeah. For people who don't know New York, to get a, a hack license in New York, you have a huge medallion like mm-hmm. stamped into the front of your cab yeah. right on the hood. You have to pass a test mm-hmm. to find landmarks, obscure addresses, where's the cross street, how to get mm-hmm. around. So even though we're New Yorkers, we make fun of all these cab drivers. Mm-hmm. Believe me, they're smelly or they <laughs> don't speak our language. Even though they speak 14 others, they don't speak <laughs> ours. And so we, we get very chauvinistic. Mm-hmm. They have to be able to get you where you're going, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't seem like you're going to get there alive because yeah. they're driving on the sidewalk at yeah. 100 miles an hour. But they do kind of get you. We had We had a large cab a couple of times so but we had a lot of people so i ended up sitting in the front twice with cabbies we had two of the chattiest cab drivers in new york <laughs> and it was just lovely mm-hmm. this fellow from haiti and we were chatting about parents and mm-hmm. manners and all this sort of stuff and he was holding doors open and same <laughs> little later on at the end of the evening we were headed where were we headed from the where did we get the cab? i think maybe coming back from the algonquin mm. 
we stopped for a very, we'll wait for Steve for that. We stopped for a very posh cocktails and I read All some, right. I read some poetry. Oh, wow. I mean, come on. You're um, going to sit there. You might as well. But <laughs> not to say I haven't had bad cab rides. <laughs> some actually didn't we weren't we all in the city one day and we couldn't get a cab that's what i'm saying but right, that's why like, uber yeah. is good because we would have yeah. been fine in that thing yeah. we spent so long looking for a cab that night it, it was yeah. such it was so annoying uh, and it wasn't even late it was only about 11 o'clock no. we were just looking to go somewhere it was because there was five of us and they were all of them were saying yes that's we right we can't take five but, of you so that's why we only walked about 15 blocks yeah <laughs> in circles yeah was Brian? Was Brian? No, was no, it was, no, it? It was it was me, you, Steve, Nancy, and Karen. Yes. Yeah. It was like three Christmases ago or four Christmases and, ago or something like that. And cold. Yes, very <laughs> cold. Anyway, Stephanie, how are you doing? I'm lovely. Peach keen. <laughs> um, so, uh, oh, two things uh, before we get into actually what we're going to talk about here. One of which is, if you're a $15 up Patreon member, you can listen to the show um, live. Uh, wow! It, it live streams every Tuesday night around seven o'clock. Um, just head on over to you know um, our our Patreon page, and you'll see see it posted there. You know, right around the time it's it's going to go up. So just so all you know that. And the second thing, which our Patreon members already know, but uh, Bob and I right now are sitting in um, a cluttered, but what will be soon the kind of office of, of talking wow, comics. So professional. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's a nice little, a nice little room. We, it's, we got one room, but we're going to set it up nice. We're going to have it set up so we can podcast from here. We can do some video from here, um, stuff like that. So, uh, it's still in the works, but once we have it kind of more put together, we'll do some video stuff and, and, and show you guys what it is. But yeah, we have a, we have a office now, which yeah. is, which is pretty cool. You call and speak to Roberta, the secretary. Yes. Make an appointment. Yeah. No one, no one can talk to me anymore. I just got to go through my people before they can talk to me. <laughs> um, yeah, so exciting. We're sitting here, and I'm very, very excited to, to what will happen will come of, of, of all of this. So, yeah, just wanted to let people know that. Um, we're going to decorate. We're going to decorate, absolutely. Oh, yeah, that's another thing, too. I ordered, uh, so I'm sure you people know what Mondo is, which is like this kind of boutique kind of poster and T-shirt shop in, in Austin, Texas. They started out doing kind of just variant posters of the, on their own, and they've now been commissioned to do a lot of re- real posters. Uh, they did the really famous Star Wars ones a few years ago. Uh, today, they had a kind of comic book lot by a guy named Tom Whalen and uh, a Daredevil print, which is really, really cool, which is screen printed. So it's going to be kind of nice and hefty. Uh, I got that. And I got this ridiculously long, I don't even know, it's like 36 inches high, um, Batman of Zurin Ra, Zurin R, uh, with like a little Batmite on the on the bottom of it. Perfect. With, yeah, that I got a well for, for, the, for our little office. So... Yeah, we're gonna have some cool stuff here. We got some posters. Bob brought. We got you know, all of us have art that we haven't been able to put on anything yes. yet. So we have it there. Um, stuff to buy at every convention from now on. Yeah, it's true. Uh, but yeah, so that, that's what's going on there. Um, so today on the show, we're gonna talk about um, all new, all different Marvel. Um, you heard us talk a little bit about the uh, the Iron Man announcement, uh, the Bendis Iron Man announcement uh, on the on the little bit from from the actual show floor. Cause that's where it was announced. Um, but we have a this image that came out, and we'll t- we'll break that down. Um, the DC kind of initiative started. The, the post convergence stuff started. Steve is here. Uh, the, the post convergence stuff started. So we're going to be talking a lot about uh, about those books a- as well. And um, yeah, and also uh, today, uh, I guess it's both the casting announcement and announcement the character is going to be there. Uh, John uh, Barenthal from Walking Dead got cast as Frank Castle, the Punisher, in Daredevil season two. What? Bob is just hearing this now. I'm just hearing. I'm it. breaking the news for Bob. So we'll kind of. 
muse about what uh, wow. what his role will be and, and what, what that's all going to be like. What kind of uh, fella is He's a big, Frank? burly, dark-haired guy. Okay. He Perfect. was um <laughs> Did you watch you watched a little bit of Walking Dead, right, Bob? First couple of episodes. He was the like the be- Rick's best friend that was like sleeping with his wife. Oh, yeah, no. Yes. Yeah, he could, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm impressed. Best friend sleeping with his wife. Yeah, you know. You well, know. he was his best friend. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. real stand up guy. Yeah, he's a yeah. Um. So yeah. So he got cast. We'll we'll kind of we'll kind of get yeah. into that a little a little bit later. But um, I'm glad I could break that news for you, Pop. <laughs> He's been running around today. I know. It, I mean, it literally yeah. broke probably two hours before we sat down here. So. Um, big big news um, but of course we're going to do lightning round we're going to do books of the week and we'll do a shared book of the week which is uh, giant size little marvel AVX number one the longest title in the history yes. of shared book of the week uh, it's written and art by Scotty Young uh, Steve bent one of his his. Mar- it's a marvel comic I know that because it's got a Hulkbuster on the back I bent my Wookiee <laughs> <laughs> it's the Spider-Man amazing <laughs> renew your vows oh well uh, it happens all right that's one of the reasons I was a little late getting here today because I bent something on during the convention that I had to get a replacement copy of. Oh, Uh-oh. did, I, did I not miss anything? No, you no, you missed. It. We we talked about uh, some convention stuff. Okay, cab um, rides, cab rides, oh. <laughs> stuff like that. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so this should be fun. I have no idea what anyone's going to talk about except for Bob. Um, so we'll just we'll just uh, what do you we'll just mean? Stephanie, I you always to... send emails that tell you exactly yes. what's going on. I definitely sent an email. I was like, "Hey, can we record on Monday?" Everybody responded except for Stephanie. Then I said another email. I said, "No, we can record on Tuesday." And Stephanie did not respond well, to that either. So as far fine. as I knew, Stephanie I had no disagreement. <laughs> <laughs> shown up. Hmm. It's fine. It's fine. Hmm. It's fine. I'm here. Apparently, okay. it's all good. Yeah. It's all good. Uh, all right. So, Ooh. Stephanie, are you ready? I'm gonna put three minutes on the clock. Oh. Um, just you, oh, one thing you can't talk about, Stephanie, in your lightning round. Just so you know, is if you read Airboy, it's my book of the week. So you can't talk about it in your lightning. Don't round. Don't worry, we're good. We're good. We're good. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's okay. fine. It's fine. I didn't read okay. that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. And okay. go. So I read things. Cool. <laughs> um. <laughs> I, I read this book from IDW called uh, The Infinite Loop. Um, the art's very, very much like Darwin Cook. I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's um, I, I did not write down who wrote or drew it, but it was very pretty. Um, and it basically mm-hmm. follows this woman who um, she works for this agency that um, she, travels back in time to stop these time terrorists who are basically trying to disrupt the past with um, anomalies. So she goes back and uh, corrects the anomalies and makes everything so that time doesn't change. You know, like um, crush a butterfly and then dinosaurs never go extinct. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. how it works. But she she basically <laughs> fixes that stuff. They um, get a notice that something isn't right in the timeline, and she goes back and fixes everything, uh, along with some uh, other people in her agency. So I read the first issue of this. I think there's two or three um, issues out there now, and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, at times, it got super confusing because I was like, what is happening? Um, but the art was great. The story was interesting. And um, I was definitely compelled to continue checking it out. 
Um, I read a book called Heathen, and um, that is from Comixology Submit. Um, I believe the artist and writer is Natasha Alterisi, Alterisi, um, and she is amazing. This is a story about a woman, um, and she gets kicked out of her clan um, for doing some naughty stuff with another lady in her clan. Um, and that isn't allowed because they want um, the women to bear strong sons and things like that. So she goes on a quest, um, sort of a self-imposed quest, um, after she's kicked out of her uh, clan. And um, basically she's going to set free um, the Valkyrie Brunhild and, um, from her exile. Um, so you kind of get a little bit of this girl's story and a little bit of the story of the Valkyries, um, some good old mythology mixed in. And then by the end of this first issue, um, these two things are coming together to lead into the rest of the story, um, which I, uh, assume will be available soon on Comixology Submit. So that was really, really interesting. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with Comixology Submit, everything is very, very cheap there. So feel free to go check it out and enjoy it. Absolutely. There you go. I don't know if you had more to talk about, but if you didn't, that was I really didn't. good timing. Yes. Oh. I did. I, don't believe you. I basically was going to be like, <laughs> Coffinelle, still good. Done. And look, I did that anyways. <laughs> Suck it, Bobby. You did. Yes. You cheated. Yeah, you, what? You cheated. Get your shit together, Bobby. <laughs> Would have been perfect if your phone erupted into Wagner's yeah. <laughs> Valkyrie. But oh, I'm heck? waiting for Apple to give us a call and be like, yeah, <laughs> you can't use that. I'm one. pretty sure that tone is free reign. Universal. Public domain. Public domain. <laughs> I can change it, though. Like, we can put it something else. No. I have no idea what... Ride of the Valkyries. It would be have, perfect. No, I don't have Ride of the... I don't have... Uh, I'm sorry. Ride of the Valkyries is not one of the one of the ringtones that comes on the phone. Happy. I know. I can make really? them, too, but I can't well, make them right I've now. I've got ringtones. <laughs> I know. I, you, I can make them a garage band very, very easily. Um, hmm. Make, like, giant snoring sounds. Oh. No, I don't like that one. Yeah, yeah right. very anime. It's very, I like that it's very one. soothing. Yeah, we're island. here to talk about the future. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Microsoft's keynote. Um, all right, that's gonna that's gonna be yours, Steve. That's gonna be your lightning round thing, zinger right there. I'm so excited. About <clears throat> you ready? You got a big pile of books in front of you. Yeah. Uh, yes, I you, do. I really do. You it's ready to go? Huge. I am. All right, and go. All right, so from a couple weeks ago, Fight Club 2, number one from Dark Horse Comics, uh, written by Chuck Palahniuk and art by Cameron Stewart. I should mention absolutely fabulous art by Cameron Stewart. This book is absolutely gorgeous. Um, So here's the deal. Jack is back, and he's calling himself Sebastian these days, and he has put the uh, kind of imaginary friend, alter ego of spoilers for Fight Club, uh, Tyler Durden, (gasps) to rest. He, uh, he and Marla are still together, and they're kind of moving on with their lives. Um, they've had a child, and they're trying to get as far away from Jack's uh, past as possible. The only problem is is that once you fall into a pattern, sometimes you get bored. And uh, Marla's got it into her head that she's going to start to switch around Jack's medication to try and bring about uh, the resurrection of Tyler because she's more attracted to him 
when he's causing mayhem. Mm. So she tries to spice up their marriage by bringing Tyler back. Um, it's really interesting to see Chuck kind of, uh, well, not kind of, but write in a comic book format. Uh, it works. He does it well. I don't know if he's ever done this before, but um, it feels like a true sequel. It feels like the movie. It sounds like the movie. The narration is the same. Um, he even hits on a couple of notes from the first film to like kind of get you comfortable with the rhythm. And um, just overall, you know, really cool. I, I really wish that this came all together and we didn't have to wait month by month for it, but I'll take what I can get. Um, satisfied with it. Really, as, as a big Fight Club fan, um, it definitely shows a lot of promise. And the other book I was going to mention is uh, a book that Rob and Justin had brought up, I think twice now on the uh, Backup Stories podcast and show, is a book from uh, Black Mask called We Can Never Go Home. Uh, for anyone that hasn't checked this out yet, uh, the third issue comes out today. It's really cool. It's this story about kind of like one of the prettiest girls in school and one of like the biggest stoner losers in the school who just kind of happened to get into a situation where one is trying to, quote unquote, rescue the other. They become friends. And then we come to find out that the pretty girl in school has a super powered secret. Uh, the two of them get into some trouble, uh, trouble so big that they've got to run away from home and they can never go back. Uh, and it escalates from there. There's all kinds of people after them. And it's just this really kind of, not complex, but just this really um, kind of nice uh, relationship story about like two opposing cliques or, or cultures within like a high school setting, um, finding like identity in one another and finding comfort in one another and learning that of all the people that they think are their friends, it's this unlikely person that they wind up being able to trust. And it's it's actually quite beautiful uh, in that sense. I got to meet the uh, the writer this past weekend. That's all I've got. I like that sexy. Yeah. yeah. It's perfect for me. Actually, didn't you pick up a print of that? Uh, I got the, the yeah, he gave, he gave us the poster. He gave us a bunch of freebie stuff. He was super cool. Um, I don't want to short. His name is, where are you on the back? Matthew Rosenberg. Um, he was chilling out when I was talking to uh, Frank Barbieri. And um, I saw the comic in his hands. And I stupidly asked him, I was like, where'd you get that? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, it's my book. I'm uh, like, that's perfect. I assume yeah. you have more of them. He's like, I do. They're at my table. I was like. I'll give you 15 minutes. <laughs> and I walked over there and uh, he was super cool. Gave us the pitch, uh, revealed when exactly the time frame is for this book. Cause it's kind of sketchy cause mm -hmm. they're using like, you know, cassette decks and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And so spoiler, it's 1989. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, really cool though. I like it. Um, like I said, newest issue comes out today and um, they're hoping for four and five within the, the coming weeks, and then they will trade it up, and you can read it. Or you can go to, you know, your preferred digital... Cool. I think, Black, but I think you only get Black Mask stuff on their website. Okay. Yeah. Because well, when we did uh, Mayday, that's when we did, yes. right? Yeah. You, have to, you have to get it on their website. All right, well, then go to the, the Black Mask website. Yeah. And check it out. There you go. You bring up something that was an interesting problem, not really, but an issue, let's put it that way. During the show... <laughs> You would have thought that a lot of creators would have been able to have the next Wednesday's books or mm -hmm. previously announced things a little early just to have them at the show and publicize the books, and there was none of that to be had. Mm -hmm. 
No sort of pre-release stuff. Not that yeah, I not came really. across anybody, and it was, it was really tough because you have people I mean, had books coming the next week. Yeah, they yeah. been lovely to be able to have signed or mm-hmm. get prints of, and yeah. not so much. I mean, there was this, but that was that's a, the only one that I know of. Um, I was really hoping for the next issue of like Gotham Academy or something like mm. that, but no dice. I think DC yeah. probably has a pretty tight hold on that on that yeah. stuff. Yeah, I was really hoping for a Lady Killer trade. <laughs> I wanted to give that as a gift for to our friend Jackie. Yeah. She got, she got a lovely print that's going to be hanging up in her <laughs> bedroom, which is pretty gross. <laughs> yeah, those posters were really funny. Yeah. But hey, you know, you do what you do. Hi, Stephanie. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> How's <right>. it going? <laughs> pretty cool, good. Cool. Pretty cool. good. Not to like jump down the road, Excellent. but Steve, you're really going to like my book of the week. Yeah. All right. <laughs> wow. I think you might like oh, mine as well. These. Oh, shit. <laughs> Swapsies. It's nice to have you back. On I the missed show, you guys, too. I didn't miss you at all. Bobby. Yes, you did. <laughs> nope. You were just talking about it over the weekend. <laughs> yes, we were. I saw him shedding tears, Stephanie. Don't believe what he said. I was definitely not part of the conversation. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking you about. You said something's <laughs> in my eyes. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh. He's weeping now, but <laughs> it's not for the same reason. Yeah. <laughs> Are you making a lasagna for one? What? We don't have oh, a stove I'm, in here. No, no, it's from Flight <laughs> of the Concords. Anyway. I'm not crying. It's oh, just been raining oh. on my face. <laughs> I've been chopping an onion because I'm making a lasagna for one. <laughs> wow. I don't I don't know. I've only seen Flight of the Concords, I think, making once. So. Lasagna. I don't, I don't have it. Are you not familiar with the hip-hop-opotamus? No. That's a real shame. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Bob. Are you ready? Okie dokie, sure. And go. Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows number one. Although there were some nice moments, particularly with MJ and Peter, the ending for this issue completely took me out of the story with some very un-Spider-Man-like actions, and I do feel very baited and switched, as Marvel was very coy about the identity of the little girl on Peter's shoulder, at least until the third issue solicitation. So any of you fans of the original May Parker Spider-Girl, beware. Don't be fooled. She's not here. Masks 2, number 3 of 8. Let me throw some more numbers around. Cullen Bond setting up a powerful second act. He's assembled a cast of time-tossed heroes and heroines, and they'll all be needed to stop a menace that spans the ages. The Red oh. Death, apparently, from right from Poe. No. <laughs> Squirrel Girl number six. Dennis the Menace could be in that, but, you know, there is a new baddie in town, and it's Hippo the Hippo. <laughs> but Doreen does have the answer, for him at least, but she is baffled by the appearance of the chipmunk hunk and the evil girl squirrel. <laughs> so you should be if you're not reading Squirrel Girl, you should be. Spider Woman number eight, which until the very last minute, this was my book of the week. But what broke the, the tie ultimately was my inability to describe what happens here without spoiling just tons of great stuff. But let me say, this is one of the best single issues I've read this year. Dennis Hopeless and Javier Rodriguez have really made up for the lost time by the full start we had with those first five issues. Spider-Woman just really, really sensational. And everyone hold on to your coffee and don't spill in your lap because <laughs> Wonder Woman annual number one. <laughs> There's, let me just say this. There's some very nice, very Amazonian sentiments espoused here. So moving forward, perhaps Meredith Finch is finding herself. I don't know. Maybe she's being compelled by Diana's lasso <laughs> to do the right thing finally. But some really nice words here. The problem is it's still in service and laid over some artwork that is still problematic. It seems there isn't a butt shot that David Finch hasn't found to love. 
So I a lot of violence still, a lot of too much blood and guts. I'm going to be watching. I will. Bob's look, watch I'm watching. watching. Bob I'm keeping a watch on, but you know, I still have about 40 seconds. I'm actually you looking do. at the clock today. But you have a page here where there's this huge, terrible fight with with Donna Troy, who's now evil, and Wonder Woman splitting her in half while telling her how lovely she is, which is weird. But you know, she's making the the, the love doll face. But an Amazon of Themyscira is more than just a warrior. She's a sister, a mother, a lover, a friend. She does not run from her fears. She embraces them. Because she knows that true strength is that of character. That's lovely. Mm. Indeed. Right. And of course, right after that is, is some poor crone getting stabbed through the heart. <laughs> so there is still a conflict. But the writing is much stronger here than it has been before. So I will keep my eye out. That's exactly what Mara said um, about well, really? the, that Meredith Finch is finally starting to find her footing a little bit. Um, she really enjoyed the Wonder Woman annual too, especially in um, retrospect to um, what it has been. Let's put it that way. Yes, and I do. I do know she said that because I, I did I listen, know. and I, I and I was very upset because I wanted to talk about that and be the first one who hated it, who <laughs> liked it. But we should have had you on the thank show. You. Who knew? Who knew? Because you don't read my I emails either that say I'm going to talk about the Wonder Woman. Your anyway. emails are like my Not that one, emails. though. I know that's our emails in between us. I'm sorry, Bob. <laughs> it's the business emails. No, 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 no. It was, it was, it was a, it was great to hear Mara second or first my opinion because mm-hmm. I really would have felt awfully stupid to be out on that limb by myself. Sort of like Wiley e. Coyote with the saw sawing myself down into a We basically cliff. have conversations <laughs> with you on air. <laughs> like you're not there yes, but we're I... like sitting there as if you were there, Bob. How do you pronounce Stepan Shea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I we did hear like, that. Bob, yeah. we're channeling you. Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> really, you should just be on the I, show with us. I do appreciate that. Thank um, you much. Somebody on the forums too had pointed it out as well. I know um, about about that about that issue yes. and, and enjoying it. Yeah, I mean it's great. I mean, hopefully she can find her footing, and and at some point it'll be a a, a book worth you know for, for you worth worth reading. Um, it's a little bit like you know, like the eighteen year old like pitcher being drafted out of high school yes, and then put in the major leagues, and they kind of learn how to be a pitcher as as they go along. Yeah. Um, it's a very glaring spotlight to have on you to to be working out how to be a good comic book writer. So on a character that people like me are going to be grousing about. Exactly, every minute. it's not yes. like it's not like it's one of like the lower tier characters where people aren't really paying attention, and you can kind of cut your teeth on it. It's it's someone that you're going to have like huge spotlight on you. So yeah, but I mean, you can't never will. I'm knocking wood, as we say. <laughs> yeah. Good is good. So I mean, yep. if it, it, things that are good, they deserve to be Bobby. praised. Um, well, yes. What are, what's on the menu for your lightning round? Oh man, I have a lot of books really? to talk about. <laughs> like a lot? I do. Wow. Like a lot, a lot. Yes. Hopefully, I can get them through them in three minutes. But some of them have to do with the kind of the DC post convergence stuff. So I'm going to cheat a little bit and talk about oh, some of them after as well. Oh, what? Oh, you think? You, you yeah, think it's that's my okay? effing show. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you think you are, Bobby? I'm Bobby effing Shortle. That's who I am. All right. <laughs> All right. You had better get started. Here we go. I'm getting started right now. What's happening right now? (laughs) (laughs) Secret Wars number three. uh, Continuing, I've liked each issue more than the one before. I like this one more than I like the last one. I like now that we have sort of an idea of where everything is going and and kind of who 
knows what and who doesn't, who remembers what what came before. I liked that that aspect of it. Um, really quick, Batman Beyond number one, Tim Drake as as Batman uh, in Batman Beyond. I will read anything with Tim Drake. It it was good, not great. Hopefully, it gets better. Um, Green Lantern forty one. Really good jumping on point. I haven't read it since Jeff John stopped writing it. Uh, really fun where kind of uh, Hal is no longer officially a Green Lantern, but he has kind of a gauntlet that he's made that can that, that can wow. uh, yeah can channel the energy, and he's using that. It, it was good. Uh, I definitely liked it. Same thing, Midnighter number one. A little sporadic, a little all over the place, a little confusing at times, but the art is really cool, and it's got a really fresh take on it, which I enjoyed. Uh, Green Arrow number 41, also very good. Uh, good jumping on point. Uh, takes it much much more street level back back down there. Um, also interesting, sort of like a couple kind of horrorish elements to it as well, which I, f- I found interesting. Um, Superman Action Comics number forty-one, Craig Pack, Aaron Cooter. Uh, I stopped reading this when the Doom storyline began, mm-hmm. so I finally just took it up, took it up again. There were some weird editorial things where um, I don't know if they thought Superman forty-one would be out before this, but there's like references like see Superman forty-one, which isn't out yet. Oh. Um, not the fall of the writers. Uh, y- your first introduction to this post kind of. Convergent Superman, where he's kind of depowered a little bit, and and has and his identity's been revealed. Really fun, really engaging. Had a really great time with the art is beautiful, and it's interesting. It really gets to the heart of like who Superman is, even though he's he's lost a lot of his powers. Uh, I think Steve and I are gonna have a disagreement about about this book. Uh, Bizarro number one. I loved it. Um, I a thought, lot of people did. Uh, I think the art is awesome. Uh, the art I liked. It's very cartoonish. Uh, I love Bizarro. He's a very weird character to read, but it was a really fun fun take on that character. Um, Future Imperfect, number one. Uh, this is uh, Peter David and Greg Land. Um, dystopia future hulk is a bad guy and the ruler um harkens back to i think an 80s or an early yeah, 90s mi- george perez miniseries uh which i also read after i read this and i really really loved both of them um a really really cool storyline and I'm, I'm gonna keep reading that one mm-hmm. and justice league number 41 which was almost my book of the week uh the dark side war part one uh jeff johns and jason book are just bringing it hard on this um it's has all of the feelings of a big event but only contained in, in justice league which i think is a great way to do it thumbs up for that it feels big it feels epic it feels it feels changing but it it it, it also feels self-contained to justice league and i think it's the book at its best and i really really can't wait to see where all of this goes um i don't i've never read anything with mr miracle in it before uh and jeff johns does a really great job of making him really like that character which is no surprise because that's what jeff john does he takes characters nobody knows about and makes them very popular it's a superpower it is um tell us about colon the chupacabra (laughs) (laughs) that is that is a bizarro which is okay so a couple things i want to unpack here first of all i want to say bobby i didn't really get to talk about it because we went right into my right into my um book of the my my lightning round but uh I want to agree with you very strongly on one book and disagree with you on another okay. book in the Spider-Man universe. Uh, Spider-Woman, I absolutely loved. I thought that it was great. I think it wraps up that storyline really, really well. Uh, the colors on it just pop so much. It was so vibrant and bright. And I, I love the things it says and you know, kind of on the, the deeper level, but also just the surface action is just a ton of fun. And the the last kind of page, I think, is a, is a great big smile on your face sort of ending um, which I really, really like. So I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, that book you yeah. know, as it goes along. I mean, it says in the back, Spider-Woman number nine coming next month or whatever it might be. Uh, was it next month or July? I guess July. It is yeah. June, so next it's month. Month, yes. <laughs> but it was like the end-ish of, of July, I think. But I'm, I, I loved that book. Um, I didn't have any expectations about uh, Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, about character-wise. I mean, I thought it would be May. 
but when it wasn't, I, I was kind of like, huh, but uh, it's not really about the... It's not really about her. It's about Peter. And the ending, I will say, yes, it's, it's un-Spider-Man-like, but um, I can buy it as a, a, a father. I can buy it as I need... To, uh, 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 having a father who was in the FBI, who decided to quit the FBI because he didn't want to put himself in danger anymore with his kids um, when he had kids, I can totally sympathize with and see where that part is coming from and and for me it, it rang pretty true for peter parker a, 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 as as a father so that that's where i came off okay. on that um all right yeah all right so let's let, let's talk about let's dive a little deeper also bob what did you think of future imperfect the original by the way i just, loved it it's one of my favorite little it was two issues two back issues in the two double size issues yeah. like 45 pages yeah. or something like that Told from Rick Jones's perspective, mm-hmm. storyteller in a room full of artifacts. Yeah, and we're we're right back. There. You look at the cover of this; it's mm-hmm. the same sort of thing. It is Greg Land for those people who don't like what he does, but here he's less Greg Landy. I was going to say that. You know, you and me. I really, do, I really, really don't like Greg Land. Right, and. <laughs> I really actually liked the art in, in this issue. As the Spider-Woman series was going on, as Mighty Avengers, mm. he is definitely adapting to the, the new landscape. Mm. There are still those flourishes that you'll say, that's an odd expression. Yeah. <laughs> but his layouts are better. It's hard to imagine after all these years that mm-hmm. he's, he's mm-hmm. adapting. Yeah. And it, it looked great. I, I scanned through it in the store. I, how, do we know how many issues any of these are going to be? I don't know. Two or three, I would say at the most, I would think. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm really intrigued at reading more of that because Peter David is certainly a favorite. Yeah. So I'm liking where this is headed, particularly the, the last page. Yeah. And what I've seen the solicits of the next. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I need to read how that comes <laughs> out. I'm not saying anything else. Yeah. It was one of my, fa- it's one of my favorite uh, tie ins so far in Future Imperfect. And mm-hmm. I wasn't even going to buy it. And then Rob, the last, he's like, you should buy it. He's like, just buy it. He was right. That's what happened to me. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was in the shop and Lauren was thumbing through it. And when she got to the last page, she made a face. And then Rob walked over and he's like, oh man, he's going to freak out. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I looked at it and I was like, I'll take that. <laughs> yes. Uh, I texted him after I read it. I was like, thank you for telling me to buy it because I really, really, really loved it. Uh, and I went back and I said, I, very positive experience with Marvel Unlimited this weekend, <laughs> reading Future Imperfect, uh, number one and two. And <laughs> it's funny because the, the, this issue is written quite pretty straightforwardly uh, because obviously it's not just straight on that world. It's sort of a tweaked version mm-hmm. of that world because it's Secret Wars. But reading the original, it's def- it's very like um, it's very '90s Peter David because it, just like in 2099 where he kind of created different slang and stuff yeah. for the people. It's there in that book. You know they they use they say scan instead of look at, at things. And just other little language things, and it's like a tweaked language to it. Um, and honestly, like I was, so the future imperfect starts. The, the original starts, and the Hulk is already in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I could not for the life of me figure out what issue came, what issue of the Hulk came before that, so I could see how he got there. Yeah. But it, it was cool. They and it was weird for me because I've never read, I've never read any Peter David Hulk before, and I, I've read very limited Hulk as it is, and I've certainly never read a Hulk that's just kind of like. Hey, I'm just like a guy, but yes. I look like the Hulk because that's kind of what he like. He's he's he, you know he he has an inner monologue. He talks like a like a hero. He's almost like Captain America ish in how kind of stalwart he is about his values and, and stuff like that. Peter wrote every different Hulk you can imagine. Mm. 
the brutish Hulk, the semi-intelligent, the gray Mr. Fix-It, whose sort of language pattern referenced back to the original thuggy Hulk from the mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. couple of issues. And yeah, that was an interim yeah. Hulk. He has intelligence, but maybe not Bruce's, but no. he's pretty shrewd. He's pretty, pretty shrewd. clever. Yeah. And the ending of the original one is great. That way he gets rid of like the bad version of himself. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Uh so yeah, it was great. That was it was a great kind of catch up on, on that stuff to, to read that stuff. I, I really enjoyed it. Um I think they're reprinting the trade. Oh really? I think I'm pretty cool. sure that's coming back out as a big yeah. one. Yeah. So it seems like the two the two tie ins I've liked the most um that are based on older stuff. I mean, I loved A Force, obviously, and that might be my favorite, but Future Imperfect and Old Man Logan, their originals I, I really I really loved as well. So um, and one of the, one of the other ones I really loved actually Bob is, is Bob's book of the week I believe so we'll we'll definitely we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, Steve, yeah, what didn't you like about Bizarro? Tell me, <laughs> I want to know. Um, I just to say it just wasn't for me is kind of lame. Uh, I really enjoyed the uh, the artwork. It was very um, kind of like Crumb Mad Magazine style stuff that I did not have a problem with. Um, I just I was I was bored by it. Like I didn't, I wasn't into the the Jimmy Olsen Bizarro pairing, the road trip to King Tut's used car lot. <laughs> like it, I it, it sounds fun and it it is. I just I don't know. I wanted something else from it. I didn't know what it was gonna be. It's kind of my first foray into like a Bizarro titled comic, and it just wasn't. I didn't see a reason to pick up another issue. It was, I, I don't know. I, I I didn't care by the end, like remotely. Hmm. I just love I love Bizarro as a character. I think that he's a novelty. Obviously, it's not something mm-hmm. that you can you can read. I think in an, in an ongoing, and this is a one of six yeah. um, in miniseries. But I really did like the kind of road trip aspect of it, and mm-hmm. I, I loved how it was almost. I think it, it was like almost Scooby Doo ish in, in the way that it was laid out as far as the mystery goes, and I, I enjoyed that. And the Chupacabra, Colin <laughs> the Chupacabra is is a great is a great great character. Um, Bob, did you read it? I scanned through at the okay. store. It, was, it looked very funny to me, yeah. but I think that's something I want to read as a lump. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was quite adorable. Yeah. Hey, look, there's there's Twix. Yes, there's the. Or, they were all over the books. <laughs> yeah, it was also <laughs> the first book that I read that had the ads in it. So maybe that had a little something to do with it. <laughs> um, I hissed. <laughs> all right, so yeah, so I mean, I don't know how many titles we read or or, or whatnot, but. This is the first. This was the first post convergence DC week. Um, yeah, I mean, I read a few of them. The hashtag DCU has 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 begun. That's DCYOW, not DC, the letter U. Um, oh. a, a book for everybody is kind of their is their idea, um, and I think it's a great it's a great uh, it's a great sentiment to to have out there. Snappy. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, I think I pretty much. I don't know if I missed any. I almost think I read every single number one or number 41 that came out this week. From Were DC. you as confused by the Omega Men? Yes. I have no idea what the hell is going on Omega Men. <laughs> beautiful. Like I, a beautiful book. Gorgeous. Like I'm interested in a number t- like a number two comic just to see if I could, you know, if something is going to be revealed. Mm-hmm. But um, no idea what's going on. No. And I hear that, I mean, there was a one of those like convergence, like, uh, you know, backups they put in all the books the kind of previews for the, the ones coming up mm-hmm. and i did hear that if you had read that it made more sense 
Not that that is like that should be a thing, but yeah. that's what that's what I heard. I just like I, I thought the team was interesting. Mm. Uh, the artwork was spectacular, mm. and even the setting was really cool. Yeah, I just didn't leave it with a firm grasp of what was actually happening. I had no grasp of what was happening. Okay, so if you didn't have a firm grasp, then you had more of a grasp than I did because I was like, okay, there are it these was a little bit. There are these. There's like a prison, mm. and it's like in space. Yeah, and there are soldiers guarding it, and or they're, they're invading it, and they're looking for the Omega Men. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they find them, and then the Omega Men I, are bad guys. I because they do some killing. I'm hang, <laughs> I'm hanging on the ledge of understanding with this book, and the comic is standing above me, stepping on my fingers. Yeah. That's what's wow. going on. I, I have like no idea. Even. It was cool. Like the art was great. I, I have no idea who anybody is or what's happening. Um, which is a little frustrating, but because I did think it was beautiful. It was. It yeah. is. Yeah. 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 No, I'm. I'm definitely down for number two. I wanna. I wanna see. Uh, like if it. If I could understand it better, mm-hmm. I think if I had a firmer grasp on what was happening, and it had a. Without spoiling it, there was like an aspect to it that I was not aware that it was tied into something else, and the question that they were asking kind of repeatedly throughout the book. I'm curious to find out how they're going to react when they get their answer because it's not a good one. Yeah, and it's also kind of. You're right. It's also written oddly. Yeah. It's because there's a lot of other language like it's not it's like some alien language you're only really getting like every like fifth word at times yeah um on on purpose so the only thing i can tell is that kyle rayner is supposedly dead yeah um and they're looking for the person who killed him Mm -hmm. that's what i get from it but i don't know if the soldiers are looking for the omega men because they think the omega men killed kyle rayner or the omega men are looking for this like that guy who looks kind of like Doctor Claw in the in like the the conference room or like the office. Did he kill Kyle Rayner? Because the Omega Man are looking for him. I'm not sure. I don't know what's happening. We we'll have to so, read and find out. Yeah. So if you guys read it and you don't know what's happening, don't worry. You're not alone. Um, I, I I think I felt the way about Batmite that you felt about uh, Bizarro. I don't like Batmite either. Uh, I thought it was very kind of. I think it's perfect for you know like a six or seven year old kid. Mm-hmm. Um. The jokes are very basic. They're very, there's not a lot, I don't think there's a lot of cleverness happening. So I think it's definitely a, a four kids, not an all ages mm-hmm. type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the art again is, is a lot of fun, um, but it, it just, it did not play for me personally. Yeah, I mean, my, my, my issue with both was just kind of the, the scenarios that we were presented with, with these characters. It's not, I didn't know what they were going to do with Batmite, but this was not what I was picturing them revolving like a six issue arc around Mm. just you know i don't know i didn't have any expectations going into it but once i finished it i was just kind of like all right like there were there were moments in it there Mm. was definitely you know a scene or two where i was like this is entertaining this is cute but ultimately i just didn't feel a pull to keep Mm. reading it maybe when it's collected in you know eight months Mm -hmm. i'll be able to uh chow down on it but for the meantime there's so many other things to pick up like you kind of got to be cutthroat about some of these titles yeah um, Bob, did you pick up any books from DC this week? Nope. Oh, okay, I just wanted to. Not wanted, a single one. Stephanie, did you read any DC books this week? No. <laughs> okay, that's cool. I just wanted to make sure. I don't nah, want to leave I'm you guys good, out. I'm good. I'm um, good. I read a bunch of Secret Wars stuff, but you guys already talked about some of these. We'll talk about some of that stuff, though. I just want to run down uh, Batman Beyond, like I said. Um, again, it was pretty good. Uh, it wasn't great. I'm not sure how I feel about. Uh, I love Tim Drake. I don't know if I love him in like this future world being batman beyond but it's it gives him a place to kind of his own book which which is nice he hasn't really had that um did you read midnighter steve 
I did not. You did not? No. Okay. Uh, Wish I had, though. But yeah, I would say... Um, but I would say, again, Action, Green Arrow, Midnighter, Green Lantern, um, for me, Bizarro, um, and Justice League are all just really fantastic fantastic reads. Um, Justice League is not, I don't think, as, as much of a jumping on point as a lot of the other ones are, uh, but still really, really good. Um, Steve, are you reading Justice League? I am. You know what? I have all of those with the exception of 39. Okay. I must have missed it when I went to Canada because right. I went to go and read it because I was excited for it, and I'm like, all right, and I'm like, let me go get my other ones. <laughs> like, 40, yes. <laughs> Where is 39? There's 38. <laughs> Damn it. Oh. So, I don't know, maybe I can, um, later on today, I can, when I go to the shop, I'll figure it out. Mm. Hopefully it's there. And if not, um, I don't know. Mm. I'll get it some other way. Because, uh, and also, Superman's kind of a, I guess, bro costume makes sense in the context of the story. Oh. He's like on the run, and, he, and he, like, everybody knows who he is, so he's just like wearing regular clothes and he buys like a Superman t-shirt. It's not the, it's not the, 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 the outfit, it's the haircut. It's the haircut that's doing it for me. What's wrong with this haircut? It's... Well, it's not, it's, it's not as like shaved as it looks on there. It's more like, it's longer. It's just I think of the way the art looks. It's got some like fluff to it. I just feel like he looks like 10,000 other comic book heroes that I've seen. Superman was kind of iconic with his mm. little spit curl or whatever. <laughs> he has had a spit curl for a while though. I kind of like it. I think it. he should. But he hasn't had well, it for a while. I'm just saying. He hasn't yeah. had the spit curl for a well, while. Then he should grow it back. I agree yeah, with you, but I'll it's not like a change from that. Uh, <laughs> I'll just draw it in in every panel. <laughs> I am curious to to read action. I just, I had to, I had to cut myself off somewhere because mm-hmm. I had th- like three weeks worth of books to pick up that day. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, some of them had to go back. Mm. But I really did love Green Lantern a lot. I think Green Lantern... If that you, cover is amazing. The cover is great, yeah. <laughs> if you haven't been reading it, it's. Uh, I, I just jumped on, like I said, and it, it's, it was a lot mm. of fun. It, was, it really is a good jumping on point. There's some con- you know, there's confusion, but there's stuff you're not going to know, but it's still a really entertaining read. It's cool that so many of these 41s are decent jumping on points. Well, all these books post-convergence are supposed to be... The first one is all supposed to be jumping on points. So whether it's... I guess for Harley Quinn, it's like 17 or 14 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and, and obviously Batgirl and Gotham Academy... Oh, Batgirl's same numbering. Gotham Academy is going to be a different number as well than like a 41. But whatever the first issue coming out of those books are supposed to be good jumping on points for Bird. people. Yeah, it's, it's great. Um, Bob, can you tell me anything about Mr. Miracle? Do you know anything about Mr. Miracle? One of Jack Kirby's creations when he went over to mm-hmm. DC's. He was... Based at some level on Jim Steranko. Okay. <laughs> Jim Steranko, before he became the artist that we all know and love, you know, the Agents mm. of S.H.I.E.L.D. and so on mm. and so forth, was an escape artist by trade. Mm. And so Kirby based, they were friends. Kirby was doing the layouts for Steranko's S.H.I.E.L.D. book. He is the world's greatest escape artist. He's the mm-hmm. okay. boyfriend, eventually husband of Big Barda, if I remember this okay. correctly. Yes, yes you're, you're good. Scott Free is his name, yes, which is, is a name. really which is really bad pun by mm-hmm. Jack because mm-hmm. he you know he was he did that a lot. <laughs> Here's the thing: in in retrospect, the Fourth World and the New Gods and mm-hmm. the whole rest of them are looked upon as this bananas great creation. Mm-hmm. Those of us who were reading at the time mm-hmm. were oh these are not. <laughs> What you were doing with Stan, these are not the Inhumans. Mm. And the truth, I think, is somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. It is much better than we who slammed it all those years (laughs) ago, and it is not as great as the people who now think it's, you know, the greatest (laughs) thing since sliced bread. But as a set of characters and an apocalypse and all the rest of it, they are are really uh, 
stupendous amount of creation out of the head of one guy. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they did some cool stuff here with like uh, um, Mr. Miracle. I mean, this is how this is the way his origin is drawn in this is that um, when you read the prologue to this, this story, uh, you know, New Genesis and Apocalypse are in a war. And they, uh, in order to broker peace, the, the uh, not the monitor, who's the, the, Met- the Met- Metatron, Metron, yes, Metron, Metron, it says they should, tr- they trade a child so that each one has a child living on the planet so they won't go to war. And in this one, Scott Free is the child from New Genesis that gets traded to um, Apocalypse. That's where he learns to be an escape artist. Mm-hmm. It's where he meets Big Bardo, all, all that kind of stuff. That does sound right. I'm yeah, I'm not sure if it is. Good, back, I don't know. That sounds yeah. reasonable. Yeah. And then there's the daughter of Darkseid, who is like the other, like the other, the other child the, mm. from the other side. Look, it has the regular outfit. It's the red and yellow. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it was it was really really great. And the art by Jason Jason of a book is just gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous art. I wonder if they'll introduce the Black Racer. I what? don't know. Probably yeah, I would, I mean, they're going to do a lot yeah. of it. Um, so I would assume that they'll, they'll get there eventually. Cool. Yeah, really, really great, really great. All right, let's talk about our books of the week, guys. Hokley dokley. <laughs> I think it's Stephanie first. Hey. It is. Yeah. Hi, I'm still hey. here, guys. <laughs> hey. <laughs> so, um, I prepared everybody for the book I was going to read by emailing them in advance and being the best communicator mm-hmm. I could possibly be. Um, That's you. And I read it ahead So, of time. everybody already <laughs> knows, and by everybody I mean Bob, Bobby, and Steve, already know that my book of the week is called Doom Boy. Um, by Tony Sandoval. So um, I've been singing the praises of Magnetic Press now for a little while. Um, like once again, they did uh, Naja, and uh, that was done by Bengal. And a few weeks ago, I spoke about Love uh, the Tiger, um, which was also released by Magnetic Press. And um, during the same trip um, to their booth uh, at C2E2, in which I got Love the Tiger, um, was where I picked up Doom Boy. And I knew nothing about it, but uh, one of the people at the booth, we got to talking, and I was like, tell me about some of the other books here that, you know, like I'm not familiar with. Um, and uh, there was a guy and a girl at the booth, and both of them were like, they both like reached for Doom Boy. They were like, let me tell you about this. And um, I was like, all right, all right, all right. Both of you like unanimously were like, this. So, like, tell me. Tell me about this. Um, and it's this book, and it looks like a bit like a children's story from the front. Um, it's like a really uh, a hardcover um, with a guy on the front um, with a guitar and a dog, and he's looking over the sea. Um, and um, the story is about this uh, teenager named I.D., and um, he, his girlfriend uh, passes away. And um, he's understandably really upset about that. Um, somebody he cared about, probably his first love, dies. And I'm going to assume that kind of messes with you. You know, um, the first person you ever kind of just love that isn't, you know, your parents just up and disappears from your life um, permanently. So um, he's really into the rock and roll scene. Um, he loves music. Uh, and that's his life between him and all of his friends. They they just live to go to shows, to play music. Um, and with this 
horrible news, um, this horrible loss. He doesn't really know what to do with himself. So um, after a trip to the sea where uh, he's trying to kind of listen um, on a radio to some of the, um, you know how like, I don't know if you ever did this as a kid, but like I used to live near a highway, so I had walkie-talkies. And you could pick up the frequencies <laughs> of the truckers and hear their conversations. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's doing the same thing with ships. Um, and him and his friend accidentally pick up something that's not a ship. They have no idea what it is, but it inspires um, ID to, you know, he's like, oh, my gosh, what is this channel? What is this music? What is this thing coming in over this frequency? And he gets the idea that, um, maybe he can somehow broadcast um, some of his really personal music out there into the world, um, and more specifically, out there to wherever his girlfriend is. Um, so he starts writing this music that's not meant to be heard by anyone else. He has a friend that basically records everything and, um, you know, keeps it secret. Um, but he, he just wants to put this music out there as a way of saying sorry to his girlfriend and kind of just letting her know that he still loves her and he's still thinking about her. Um, so every week he goes out, he does this, uh, he does a session, records it, and um, slowly over time, the people in the town and in the city start to discover this frequency that's supposed to be meant just for him and... Um, you know, his girlfriend. And um, they they wind up falling in love with this music because it's just a completely different... Um, it's just something completely different, you know, and it really, really speaks to them. And it's emotional and um, nobody knows who's making this music. Um, but he goes by Doom Boy. And unintentionally, he starts becoming famous. Um, and he doesn't know this. He's just doing this in his spare time for fun. Um, but everyone's going crazy for this guy and yeah, no one knows what's really, um, that they all know him, that they've been friends with him forever. Um, and that this is his project, um, for his girlfriend, Annie. So yeah, um, the art is really, really cool. It kind of reminds me a bit of, like, uh, Jonan Vasquez a bit, um, but mixed with something more sort of fine arty, uh, which is, I realize, a very weird way to explain something, but I have no other explanations. Um, but I read this all this afternoon and just fell in love with this story. And as soon as I saw the cover, Steve, go look it up. Um Oh, yeah, I have it in my, my Amazon wish list. I didn't realize it by the name, but then I looked at the image and I was like, oh, right. You're totally right. It, it looks right up my alley. <laughs> I know. As soon as I read it, I was like, oh, boy, Steve's going to love this. Um, oh, man. And this book is just beautiful. You know, like, it's not um, it's not this beautiful love story where um, this boy is trying to reach out to, you know, his girlfriend. I mean, that is in part the story but he's still a teenager that's going through a lot uh he has rivals with friends and frenemies and you know people in town that just have 
general beef with him. So it's like this story that's, you know, kind of in a way a bit of a coming of age story mixed with this tragic love tale. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a really beautiful book. Uh, Magnetic Press has been doing a really great job of putting out affordably beautiful collections. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen, again, the Naja collection um, in person before, but that's stunning. The book I mentioned before, Love mm-hmm. the Tiger, stunning. They have an art book. Um, and I forget the guy's name. I have it on my shelf, but I'm not going to go reach for it right this second. Um, but he's the artist on a book called Sky Doll, and uh, Magnetic Press released an art book yep. by him. And um, it looks like a vinyl. Um, it has a slip cover, but the art book's amazing. And <laughs> when I was in um, uh, Chicago, I was walking around with it, and I like, was showing some of the artists. They're like, Steph, I can't leave my table. Can you go buy me a copy? Um, I ran into like Scott Adsit. He was like, what's that? I'm like, well, let me show you. Um, it's like, wow, this is beautiful. I'm like, I know. It's like, where'd you get this? It's like, magnetic press. And then I went back to the magnetic press booth. I'm like, Scott Adsit might come to your booth. They're like, what, really? Um, yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, magnetic press. <sighs> um, <laughs> so, uh, I, I, I can't get enough of this. You know, Bobby, we've talked a lot about, um, Hellboy and like Dark Horse and the collections that they put out and how, um, and even Bob with the bandette. You know, we've talked about how beautiful Dark Horse, um, you know, how much effort they put into these collector's editions. And they're not that expensive in retrospect of how nice they are. Um, And I feel that's kind of what Magnetic Press is doing, too. They're following a very uh, eloquent business model and uh, putting out these beautiful books. Um, This one, I believe, um, was originally published in French. Um, and now it is, uh, it's been released here in North American English and it's just definitely worth your time to check out. Mm-hmm. Cool. Excellent. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. I've seen the physical book in the shop. It's, it's a pretty yeah. gorgeous shop to look at. Or just random. Just a, I, I don't know, a Midtown there's, Comics. Um, maybe? Mm. maybe Fourth World. There's a couple beautiful spreads in here. And, um, like, he's looking over the ocean, and there's just all of these, um, these, these, these sea creatures just hanging out over the ocean in these, like, I don't know how to describe it, really. Like, you just kind of have to see, um, to understand, but the way that the pages are laid out is just phenomenal. It's really something to, um, buy and treasure. Awesome. Something mm-hmm. to behold. <laughs> behold. Awesome stuff. <laughs> Release the Kraken. <laughs> All right. So that's uh, yes, Doom Boy. By Tony Sandoval. And um, this beautiful, beautiful hardcover um, goes for 25 bucks. So that's not too bad. Cool. Not at all. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Steve, it is your turn. It is. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. Sure. Do you want a beer? Yeah. All right. So you start talking. I'm gonna go get you a beer. What is okay. this? All right. Hey, look, look at this service. Yes. Stephanie, do you want a beer? Okay. I'll, I'll make sure. I'll, I'll I'll be back, guys. All right. Yeah. I like this new I podcast. Know. What's up with this? I don't know where the refrigerator is yet. I don't know where real Bobby is. <laughs> we left him at the con. He couldn't hack I, it. It's it's the it's the new physical layout. Get shit together. What's yeah. your book of the week? My book of the week is from Rolling Boil Press, 
And it's called the Underburbs. That's B-U-R-B-S, Underburbs. Here's the deal with this. Uh, we were at Special Edition Comic-Con this past weekend, and I kept passing a booth, and it looked like it was up my alley, but I always had somewhere else to go, so I just bypassed it. Our friend Melissa sat down, and she goes, Steve. I said, yes, Melissa. She goes, you're going to go and buy this book in about two minutes. And I said, oh, am I now? She goes, yes, you are. She goes, open the book. So I opened the book, six panels, I was sold, and walked right over to the uh, the booth, got both volumes one and two, and oh man, it's amazing. Uh, for those of you who are, who are familiar with, like, um, Stephanie just mentioned Jonah Vasquez and Roman Dirge, who does uh, Lenore, the artwork is very similar, uh, as is the black and white presentation of this story. Um, so this is a collected things there's three trades of this so far and the story is this this girl named angela is kind of hanging out uh at her house on halloween night she's sick and has to stay inside and she's kind of sitting atop this house and, and judging all of the uh like costumes that come by her house so she's sitting at the at the window and she's like lame <laughs> just wrong She's like, oh, man, just no. The guy comes in a Pikachu costume. Next one comes up as a farmer. She's like, oh, is that even legally a costume? It's Halloween, not hat day. And then this new kid comes by, and he's uh, Johnny Storm, and he's completely lit on fire. And so she just sits back in her chair with this dumbfounded look on her face. She's like, all right, I'll give him that one. So anyway, this is a absolutely positively hilarious, hilarious story of a girl who witnesses kind of the like a, a portal opens up in her town and this countess of the vampires she's this young girl probably about like nine to eleven years old and her uh demon minions step out of this portal and basically decide that they're going to take over the human race and usher in um like you know the era of monsters and mayhem uh on earth and she doesn't know that for like all of their lives her parents and her parents parents Everybody has tried to take over Earth in the monster realm, but have decided that it's just not worth their time. Something always happens, either that or the humans aren't uh, gullible enough for their plans. So naturally, just like her parents, she's trying to take over this town and just doing everything wrong. She has you know, the best of intentions for her world and stuff and world domination, and she wants to be the queen of this new world, but she has no idea how to do it. Um, she's kind of, uh, like mind warping and bringing the wrong people to her side. They're either dimwits or they're too obsessed with the idea that they were goth first and now they're actual monsters. <laughs> so they'd rather be hanging out in the graveyard instead of, you know, plotting world domination. They find themselves at, uh, some mall mart. They end up, uh, changing the sign to mall mart, M-A-U-L. And, um, they go to the alternate dimension and they buy zombies off of like this, like, you know, heavy set yokel guy and, you know, pour them into the local Walmart and all these people are going after them with golf clubs and, you know, different toys from around the toy section and stuff like that. And the whole time, uh, Angela's plot, she basically, she runs into Winifred. Winifred is the, um, vampire character, the countess. And she decides that in order to like shut down this plot, she needs to first befriend her and kind of be like the spy on the inside and it turns out that, like, her mother, um, when Winifred came through the portal, like, a mist was 
um, released, if you want to think of like the Terrigen Mists, and turned anybody who was outdoors into zombies and anybody, I mean, into monsters and whoever stayed indoors is still human. And the idea is to turn the rest of them into monsters and then, you know, branch out for every for every person that she changes into a monster, her influence and kind of this bubble that's sealing them off from the rest of the world um, expands and grows in its radius. And it's just this absolutely hysterical, hysterical story. Um, the thing that got me about it the most is that every single character in this book is highly expressive. Every single time that something happens or somebody's surprised or somebody's shocked or mortified or whatever, the expressions on their faces are so varied that you know exactly what they're feeling at the time to match like the tone of, of the story and then the mood and stuff like that. Um, for those of you who are anime fans, I'm going to say this lightly because I don't want to like blanket the book with it, but it kind of reminds me of FLCL or Fooly Cooly and not in plot or, or bombasticness or anything like that, but the ridiculous parts of Fooly Cooly where like those quick little snippets of the grandfather character and the brother freaking out over things and just super, super, super funny moments all throughout the book. The book is actually quite beefy. Uh, it's twelve ninety nine, and for each issue that you get, each issue is around like uh, thirty two pages worth of an issue, and then um, they have these like artist commentary pages in the back, and all of these panels that got taken out of the story that they felt oh. were slowing it down, or things that they didn't feel were necessary. And so you get that for a good solid like four or five issues, and then in the back they have this monstrous uh section of deleted scenes and like whole plot lines of the stories that were taken out that are still funny and entertaining um how like the genesis of how the book came to be all the early stuff uh the pitch for the book the scripting for the book it just everything everything that you can think of uh that goes into coming out with like an independently published comic book it's all in here and each one of the trades is like thick with that kind of information so not only is it like a great and hilarious story, but also serves almost kind of like a cool learning tool in like what's involved in the background of making your own indie book and self-publishing and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, if you want to check this out, I highly recommend that you do. As far as age bracket, I would say it's decent for probably teens and up. I wouldn't call it all ages because they do say like words like damn and they, they reference things like hell and there are a couple of uh, like zombie scenes. So if that's a little bit too much for your little one, I don't recommend it, but maybe like eight plus possibly. Mm -hmm. um, but if you want to check this out, they uh, you can contact the creators at the underscore underburbs at yahoo.com or you can visit them online at underburbs.deviantart.com. And uh, it's story by Joe Haley and TJ Dort with artwork by Joe Haley and DJ Dort. This is like their baby project, dude. Um, did you, uh, sorry, I missed the beginning. Did you get out of the con? Is that where you yeah. got it? Okay. Yeah, I, I was, Melissa was the one that hmm. recommended it to me. She sat cool. down at our table and she's like, you're going to buy this in about two minutes. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah? She's like, yeah, open it up. And I was sold immediately. Lauren and I walked over. Uh, we both bought the first two trades. And it was the first thing I picked up out of that monstrous pile of crap that I got. Mm -hmm. And I could not put it down because I was laughing so hard. Cool. So, they had the greatest business card, by the way. It's about a yeah. three-size-up playing card <laughs> of yep. the two characters are on the front of the book, each one side of the, the queen. Mm. 
with all their information. We were speaking to one of them, and he was saying, you know, you're talking to the president of the company. I could help you out. (laughs) There are only two of us, but I'm the president of the company. Yeah, it's super funny. If you like that kind of you know, dry wit humor of books like Lenore and like Johnny the Homicidal Maniac and stuff like that, where it's safe, but little disturbing at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, But all, all hilarious. I mean, I can't describe it to you because I wouldn't be doing it any justice, Mm -hmm. but there's just like, there's a brother character and he's causing trouble for Angela and he's like kicking her into zombie pits and just doing not nice things. And she says something to him that makes him crack up, like, maniacal laughter. And she's trying to get him to shut up. He's like, wait, 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 wait. I got one more. I got one more. Hold on. And he goes, <gasps> to, like, give, like, a big laugh. And as he opens up her mouth, he has a jack-o'-lantern head after he's been turned into a monster. And as he's breathing in to laugh at her really hard one more time, she just, like, leans into him and blows out the candle inside of his mouth. Aww. And smoke starts to fill his lungs and he's writhing on the ground. It's hysterical. So, yeah, the underburbs. So, just so people know... Um you can probably Google search it uh, and find it, but it's a print-on-demand type of thing. So it's it's like called IndiePlanet.com. That's how they sell it. So oh, there you go. They, you can't buy it on like Amazon or anything like that. You have to sell, go through this website, mm-hmm. and they basically they'll, I they'll print it for you, and, and it's twelve dollars. So yep. And like I said, you get lots and mm-hmm. lots of extras. You pretty much get everything that went into mm-hmm. making this series, and they are working on a fourth uh, uh, storyline as we speak. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Ah. Very cool. All right, Bob. Okie dokie. Over to you, sir. I am going to talk about a Secret Wars tie-in. Oh, my goodness. Uh, what a week. I, we went, I did Wonder Woman, and now we're doing a Secret Wars tie-in. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this it is... This is the post-convergence, Bob. <laughs> uh, and, is that, isn't that DC? I get so confused. Yes, it is. But okay. if you're saying you, you are post-convergence, no. Bob, is what he's saying. All the, all the oh. Bobs have come oh. together. <laughs> Which one is this? Yeah. They've evolved. Uh, no, devolved. <laughs> I think we're saying devolved. <laughs> It is Years of Future Past by Marguerite Bennett and Mike Norton. And what we have here, this is the section of Battleworld that seems as if it's the uncorrected timeline from Days Mm -hmm. of Future Past. And many years of anti-mutant regulation has left Manhattan a sentinel-controlled internment camp, basically. My version of the old man Logan from Days of Future Mm -hmm. Past, a little gray in his hair. And through their conversation, we learn that she's actually Christina Pride, the daughter of Kitty and Peter Rasputin, uh, Colossus. And she's the last mutant child born before the sterilization has begun of mm. mutants. So this is certainly now not any sort of world you want any part of. And th- there's a Mutant Control Act, which if we remember the original story, that's what Senator Kelly was looking to push through. We've seen him in the X-Men movies mm-hmm. as well. And in the last one, here he's now President Kelly. Now what we have here, we're reintroduced eventually to... Uh, I'll spoil some. We see some of the characters you, you, mm. you're hoping to see. You get to see Kate Pride and Colossus, and more importantly, you say, Ray said we've seen Wolverine. We see Rachel Summers, and their plan is to break loose from here. And what they want to do is just so altruistic, is the only way to put this. They need to save President, 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 President. Oh, it's not like you doesn't like no nope. let's see what happens here i think we're, we're okay we're okay, okay. keep going <laughs> their plan is to free themselves from these collars so they can regain their mutant powers it, it's discovered as they've been working on banned weaponry much as the concentration camps workers who built the v2 rockets back in world war ii 
they've been working, uh, Eric, uh, particularly working on banned weaponry, realizing that they're putting viruses into the Sentinels that are going to kill the president and make it look as if the mutants did it so mm. they will be completely exterminated. So the, the, the X-Men will free themselves from government control so they can save the person who put them in the camps hoping to to have President Kelly broker some sort of better world for them with God Emperor Doom. Mm-hmm. This is just so spectacularly well done that there's a speech from Rachel to, to Kitty here, if you don't mind me <laughs> in, indulging myself here. Whenever we ever. Yeah. When, yeah. Well, you, you, one of these days you will. <laughs> so I will continue to ask. Kate is not thrilled with the fact that her daughter, Christina, who has no mutant powers at at this point, is going to be cast into this role. And Kate says, this mission is incredibly perilous. You can't ask her to accept the burden of such a thing, Rachel. And Rachel, you're a beacon of hope, Chrissy. You are the last of us. The sight of you risking your life for the man who condemned us all to death, there is power in that image, power enough to change humanity. Marguerite Bennett has done such a great job here. I'm, as everyone knows, if you've listened to our book club on this issue, and we'll probably stick a link to that in, in the post here, huge fan of the original. It is one of the greatest two-issue miniseries of all time. It certainly brought the Sentinels back into power, showed you sides of the X-Men you didn't know before, and has now been referenced. There was a direct sequel in Excalibur, I think it's 63 to 65 years ago, and annual since, and revisits to this world. This is the first one I've seen, except maybe that Excalibur, that makes me feel I'm back in that storyline. So this just knocked me out. I wasn't going for this for Book of the Week. I sort of picked it up on a whim just because Marguerite Bennett had done it. And it's just brilliant work by her and reaching back to that original, the emotional depths of that. It's a logical extension of what had happened back then. Callbacks to the original but some twists. It is not just a recapitulation of that story. It's something new entirely. My favorite of the Secret Wars tie-in I've read, and quite frankly, one of the most favorite books I've read so far this year. I know the X-Men will come back. There will, whatever else is going on, someone sign up Marguerite Bennett to do one of the X-Books. She's got a great handle on these characters. So Years of Future Past, number one, more than solid entertainment, an absolute brilliant piece of work. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it too. Uh, I I had heard some, like, you know, not negative things about it but some very middling things about it so i didn't expect a lot when when i read it and uh it exceeded you know any expectations i i might have had for it i i thought it did a really great job of capturing the spirit of that story and doing some new stuff as well i thought the art by mike norton was great um it, it sort of it's very much him but it also echoes uh the original stuff as well yes. in a lot of ways um yeah i mean by the by, like as, it, for me, as far as Secret Wars tie-in goes, uh, most of them, uh, the worst I've had with any of them has been, I, I thought it was okay. Like that's the worst I've had with any of the ones I've read. So um, that that's that's a nice thing to, to feel with, especially when you're buying a lot of a lot of books. Sure. Uh, and I enjoyed this one a lot. I, I thought that it's cool to see the X Men, and it's cool to they, there's a lot of X uh, books as far as the Secret Wars stuff goes. And this has been the I've read I think all of the ones that have come out so far, and this has been the best one. Um, so it, it's, it's great. It was, it was a great book. Yeah, totally. Uh, and I liked, I mean, it's, she, the, the, she's a new character, right? We've never seen that character before, no. right? Okay. Uh, I, I liked her as a character and I like the plan and it's very, it's very X-Men. <laughs> Best way to put things. Yeah. This is very X-Men. Yeah. Very good stuff. Really good stuff. Um, all right. So, 
Uh, my book of the week is Airboy number one. This is James Robinson and Greg Hinkle. And uh, I had, you know, I, I said before, I don't really read solicits. I don't really look forward to what's coming. I just kind of look at teams, look at look at art, look at you know a, a character, and decide whether or not I'm gonna I'm gonna buy something. And the little I knew of Airboy, something that he was kind of a, a very old character, mm-hmm. and, and you know. I, I knew the image because I'd seen the image before, and I think when they first pitched it, when they first like revealed it at Image Expo, they revealed kind of this image of, of Airboy, and I was like, okay, it's going to be kind of one of those callback books. It's weird that Image is doing that. It doesn't really seem like it's their their thing to do anymore. That seems more like a dynamite type of thing to do. But, and James Robinson has been very hit or miss for me um, over the years, so I, I wasn't sure if I was going to pick it up. And then uh, when I went to the shop, I saw the, the cover, and, and immediately I was kind of struck right i was like well Airboy's on the cover but he's the kind of very small and and, and the uh, the kind of foreground is two people that have gone on looks some sort of hellish bender <laughs> sexual deviant night uh and so I, di- I didn't know what i didn't know what was going on i i was like so it intrigued me enough to pick it up and, and read it and uh i will say that uh if you're going to read the book and you haven't yet uh, I feel bad even talking about it a little bit because the surprise of it to me was, was a great moment. Uh, but I do want to talk about because in case you had no interest in reading it, uh, hopefully this will get you to read it. So I open, um, you open the, fir- the first page uh, of Airboy, the first page that has you know an image on it, and it's 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 we get a little box that says James Robinson, um, and then an image of James Robinson drawn by the artist Greg Henkel, naked sitting on a toilet. Um, and his line is no Eric, no way. I fucking hate Airboy. <laughs> and then you find out he's talking to the Eric he's talking to is Eric, Eric Stevenson, Stevenson, the editor in chief wow. of Image Comics. Oh wow! Who is pitching to him to write an Airboy comic? Uh, and since James Robinson writes all those World War II characters, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, and they're having an argument on the phone, and and uh, immediately you start to see kind of. Uh, the, the what the, this book is going to be like, and, and one of the things I really liked about it was how kind of seemingly refreshingly I, I'm sure it's satirical in a lot of ways, but refreshingly honest it is in, in other ways as well. Um, one of the first one of the on this on the second page, Jane Robinson has this line: uh, "I hate being at DC right now. Nothing's working. My writing's suffering. Everyone thinks I'm a hack." Plus, all anyone thinks of me for is Golden Age stuff. I'm typecast as the Golden Age guy or the Starman guy. I'm more than that, you know. It's like Paul McCartney only being remembered for the Beatles and nothing else. Um, and uh, I-, I thought it's very interesting to him talking about his work at DC. And then when we were talking about James Robinson when he was working at DC at the end of doing Earth 2, we- it was a book that none of us were reading that we had ju- we had left because we felt like it, it seemed it was bad you know yeah. it wasn't written well so it's a very interesting thing to happen there and then basically the story is about james robinson trying to figure out how to write Airboy, um and he can't he can't come up with a, a way he can't come up with a plot so his wife suggests that he hire an artist and the artist help him come up with with the plot um and so he hires an artist and it's greg hinkle who's the artist of the book <laughs> and, and greg hinkle comes to san francisco to work and what this issue is is basically Greg Hinkle and James Robinson going on some like crazy ass drug fueled <laughs> bender um, wow. where they're doing where they're doing all manner of drugs and getting into all kinds of trouble. And you know the book is 
uh, funny and dirty and weird uh, and honest and it it really really blew me away um, and uh, I won't spoil how Airboy comes into the equation but it's a very interesting very interesting way and what what I was struck by this book was that it felt to me a lot like. The movie adaptation with Nicolas Cage. I was going to say yeah, Charlie Kaufman. Yeah, yeah, like the Charlie Kaufman story. Where he's trying to adapt the Orchid Thief book and can't figure out how to adapt it. So he writes a story about trying to adapt the Orchid Thief. And this is what it feels like to me. I don't know if the initial idea was Eric Stevenson went to James Robinson and said, I want you to do an Airboy comic. And he was trying to write an actual Airboy comic. Um, and then this is what came of it. But that's what it feels like here. Obviously, I think some of it is probably very much um, uh, embellished. I'm going to assume, uh, but it, it it was sort of like that sort of adaptation with a little bit of like fear and loathing in Las Vegas type of, of feeling to it with what was going on, the surrealness of it. Uh, I will say that the art is awesome. Um, you know, sometimes it's very muted colors. Then there's just like very like extreme colors. They're, they're all muted, but it's like, you know, swaths of, of color that will happen that will change up what you're looking at and, and, and what's going on. And it was just really surprising and I finished it and then I couldn't stop thinking about it after I was done reading it. Uh, just so original, so interesting, um, beautiful to look at and it has the makings of being a pretty special series if it, if it can stick the landing on whatever it's coming from. Nice. It's a four-parter, right? I don't actually know if it's a four-parter or not. I have no idea the numbering is on it. I, I, just, it I just bought it. It says number one on it. I don't know if it says... I'm gonna take your word for it, though. I remember one of four seems like a very sure thing to say. So when I was doing the uh, like the reviews, like mm, sending out the yeah. email, mm. it was one of four. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just really awesome. It's it, it it feels like a totally different thing for James Robinson, and I think that's a good thing. And I I can't wait to see what it is. I'm gonna have to get that. It's really yeah. good. Yeah, I passed up on it. Now I regret it. It's really really good. Um, Justin Townsend texts me. He's like, "Have you read Airboy yet?" I was like, "No." He's like, "Tell me what you think after." Uh-huh. <laughs> and and it's just like, uh, it was just awesome. I, I I I can't believe how good it was. It blew me away. It blew me away. Excellent. Yeah, it, it is a real character. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah. I know I'm, it's a real right, character. Yeah, but some people made yes figure it got made up. And mm-hmm. it was Hillman periodicals, I think. That I do not know, Bob. <laughs> Fight it, you know, a flying ace. He was a, he was a young kid. He, I think he was a the sidekick at the airbase. Ended up getting his own plane, which had sort of flapping wings, and was called Birdie. Okay. And he had there was a major character that ended up taking over the book for a long time was the original Valkyrie, who was hmm. a Nazi air ace who he reformed when she was chasing after him. She was robbing the cradle, definitely. <laughs> and I think at some point it was in Airboy that they introduced the heap. Which is the original Swamp Monster. So way before Man-Thing and Swamp-Thing was the heap. Man-Thing. Giant <laughs> size Man-Thing. It's my nickname in Canada. <laughs> I have two nicknames when I'm there from uh, Bronwyn's sister-in-law. Okay. It's Man-Thing and Steak. Oh, so one of them was Heap. No. <laughs> well, now it should be Heap. Yes. Now it should be Heap. Now it should be Heap. That's for further down the road. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Airboy number one. Airboy number I'm, one. I'm shocked. I... I when I saw the solicits, I was interested, and then it seemed like it was months and months. Yeah, it's from it, the initial image. It got expo. announced two years ago. Is it almost, two, almost yeah. two years ago? It was not this past image expo. That's it was right. the one before that's that. That's right. 
Because Stephanie, last time we talked about Image Expo, because Dan Robinson announced another book at Image Expo, was like, Airboy hasn't even come out yet. So there you go. And now it's out. It's happened. To be read. Awesome. And it's freaking great. So check it out. It's pretty awesome. All right. Okay. So we have our... our, our we're gonna, we'll do our book of the week, our share book of the week first, and then we'll talk about the Marvel stuff to close out the show. Sure. So, Steve, this was your assignment. Why don't you take it away? It was. Yeah. Uh, so I assigned Giant Size Little, uh, sorry, Giant Size Little Marvel AVX. Uh, and no, not so easy, is it? Yeah. No, it's not. Not so easy. <laughs> I didn't pick it because it was easy. I picked it because it looked absolutely charming <laughs> and adorable. And that's precisely what it was. Um, it's kind of hard to describe the set, uh, not necessarily the setup, but I mean the formatting. It's almost if you want to think of this as a string of um, like cartoon shorts all strung together. Um, first, you got this kind of duel between uh, Ilyana and uh, Iron Man. He's gone and uh, hand blasted one of her prized ponies, and she's upset about it. So she calls forth a hell beast to give him and uh, the rest of his friends trouble. And then you've got this kind of rivalry going on, uh, food cart rivalry between the X-Men and the Avengers. And then we eventually wind up at like, I guess a through line that will, will go on into the next issue. Um, I mean, what is there to say about these books? These books have always been cute. Um, like the, the a babies and X baby stuff that's come out in the past, but this to me seemed to have just a bit more than those. First off, the artwork is positively insane. The coloring is insane. Um, everybody's seen the baby, you know, variants and stuff like that. But I thought it was a lot of fun to see so many of the characters uh, all crammed into this thing. I mean, some of the double page spreads that you get are are just magnificent. Um, and it's funny. It's really, really funny. The stuff between. I love. There's a moment where. Ilyana gets called in for dinner and she has to go back to her house and her house is just this blazing inferno, kind of this, you know, out of another uh, hell dimension, just on a normal, you know, suburban block. No big deal, but it's a blaze. And she's just walking into it so casually. It's an inferno. Yeah. She's from Inferno. Come on. Um, But I mean, I mean, but what is there to say about it? It's adorable. It's absolutely adorable. I thought the the writing was funny. Um, There's some bizarre moments in that the uh the x i guess x babies and and uh a babies use terminology that you don't necessarily hear them use uh you get this conversation between iron man and thor says uh you think that's funny let's see if you laugh at this and uh iron man says he goes thor i hammer time thor just goes word (laughs) and you know blows into his whole thing there's this moment between iron man and uh spider gwen where he goes, hey, I haven't seen you around here before. Mm. Says, I'm new. He goes, how would you like to be my date to the movies tonight? She's like, I would not like that at all. He goes, why not? She goes, because you're a kid and you have a mustache and a goatee like a creep. <laughs> and I just, yeah. it's hysterical. I haven't, like, I've always seen the covers and stuff like that, but to actually see the the A-Babies and X-Babies in action, I mentioned them before, these double-page spreads are just absolutely spectacular. Um, and hearing kind of the language of those characters, the attitudes of those characters, like the altruistic ca- uh, Captain America, Cyclops being told that he's the worst. Like, you, <laughs> like you'll come to learn that, you know, you'll come to learn that I'm awesome. Like, no, well, eventually you'll come to learn that you're the worst. <laughs> and all these, like, little inside digs. 
I love how there's, uh, for every Avenger, there's kind of an equal X-Men on the other side battling them. And um, in all honesty, like aside from seeing them on covers, there are a couple of characters in here that I've never seen as these kid characters, or maybe I've bypassed mm. the covers or whatnot. So for me, it was just a really, really awesome time, you know, scoping out uh, characters done like Archangel and Falcon and mm. Bishop and Cable mm -hmm. that I might necessarily not have seen them before in these books. So a little bit of Muppet Babies, but uh, just a lot, a lot of fun. So I want to, before you get into what we thought of mm -hmm. it, yep. if, I'm, if I'm a listener listening, yeah. And you're saying like, oh, this is adorable. It's fun. It's great. Mm -hmm. What separates this from the two books that we, the DC books that are also kind of just like a little bit like fun little romps? What what separates them from this? Like Bizarro and Batmite. What's what separates this from those? For me, it was the humor. Mm -hmm. um, I identify with the humor. I think it's a little bit more. I think it's a little bit more clever. Um, the man, I know I gotta compare it to the other ones. You have to compare it, but I'm just yes. saying because, like, for you, what for separates you, the two? That, what yeah. separates the two? Because you say, like, you know, they were kind of the other ones were, were they were fun, but you didn't really. It's and, for me, it's the cleverness, it's the way that the characters play off of mm -hmm. one another. They're familiar to me. Batmite and Bizarro are, you know, mm -hmm. relatively new in terms of me reading mm -hmm. a title that specifically they are the, the front and center focus of that book. I like the Bizarro character, mm -hmm. I think he's really entertaining. I appreciated his end of that book. I didn't like the dry Jimmy Olsen stuff. I didn't like the car rental scenario. It just didn't interest me. Um, with this, it's artwork that I positively love. I don't care how many times, how many variants he does. I think that ever since he, I saw him do, doing Wizard of Oz, the Scotty Young stuff has been just, it appeals to me. Mm -hmm. Um I wish that I could, like with all my little characters that I draw, I wish that I could draw something like this this well. Um, it's playful, whereas the other books to me, the Batmite thing was a little bit too inside that if you didn't know who the Batmite character was, they didn't really do a great job of explaining how he came to be and what he was and things like that. Um, they tell you that he's unique, but they're going to wait for another issue to really tell you why. Or maybe they might not mm. at all, and you're just supposed to know. Yeah. Um, for somebody who's only read him in one book and it not necessarily matching up with the Morrison well, no, it's, stuff. It's not going to match up with the Grand Morrison stuff. Well, yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, you know, here's this this figment mm -hmm. of, of Batman's imagination and you're this thing and I'm going to extract something from you mm -hmm. because you maybe have a power that it doesn't necessarily belong in our world. Mm -hmm. Interesting, but it was, it was dry. Mm -hmm. It was dry. The humor didn't really hit... It was more like uh, the character was kind of, you know, meh, mm -hmm. and sarcastic and quippy. And this is more like going for gut laughs. And if you know the characters, if you like, if, if you know the characters intimately, some of the stuff that comes out of their mouths is so on point with who they are that the jokes, the jokes land better mm -hmm. for me. Um and a lot of these, I mean, Squirrel Girl did it. A lot of these books are starting to do these kind of like Avengers and uh, songs in mm -hmm. the beginning uh, for the first couple Opening of pages. Opening theme song was great. Yeah, yeah, like theme songs and just the like the expressions. The expressions on, on, on uh, Captain America's face where he's holding up, this thing is trying to eat him. And he just with one dainty little kid hand is holding this gaping maw with jagged teeth open with this smug look on his face. Iron Man's freaking out, getting eaten by these little demons. 
and this toothy, toothy grin from Ileana, and then getting called in by her mom, and she has to, you know, unsummon the hell beast. And she's mm. like, catch you later, Bob. Tell, you know, tell Bolesco I said yeah. what's up. And the the beast just goes, see ya. Call, call <laughs> if you need anything. And they, they fist bump. Mm-hmm. And she goes back into her burning house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With to, a sword bigger than she is. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. You know, to me, to me, that's funny. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just wanted, I wanted to know. Uh, Stephanie. Hello. Hello. Uh, so you have been on record uh, of not really digging the uh, Scotty Young kind of baby Marvel stuff, uh, mm-hmm. at least the, the covers, the the, the, the covers that that, that uh, have mm-hmm. come out. Uh, how did you feel about a uh, giant size old Marvel? Um, <laughs> I I thought it was cute. Um, I thought like the story was. I I say story like air quotes because. Mm. To kind of claim that it's an actual story of any sort is a bit nonsensical. Like, it's just all over the place. It's just, it's like Axe Cop, where, Mm. you know, the story doesn't really have a linear place that it goes. It just exists, and things happen, and, you know, it's crazy, except Scotty Young doesn't have the excuse of being seven years old. Well, but he's writing uh, about babies, though. Pardon? He's writing about babies. Though. Yeah. No, I know. Um, <laughs> I think it's a fun all ages book. Like it reminds mm. me of, um, like, um, Art Balthazar and Franco. What they do with um, itty bitty, you know, fill in the blanks. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I think it's a great all ages book. Mm. I didn't personally love it. Um, for me, like, it's not something that I'm going to follow. I don't feel like it really spoke to like like it's not something that i feel like checking out month after month mm-hmm. um i'd pick it up for a relative or a kid um anything like that or like a friend's kid or whatever but for me it just didn't um provide something um compelling for me to come back to mm-hmm. like you kind of mentioned i mean um, I'm not a big fan of that sort of art style from Scotty Young. I think, I mean, he's a good artist. He's a great artist. I loved what he did with Rocket Raccoon. Um, I think he's incredibly talented. Uh, I just really think this style is so overdone. Um, I I really enj- I want to see him do more like Rocket Raccoon as opposed to these mm-hmm. baby things. Um, he's got that in that image book coming out, like I yeah, hate, I yeah, hate yeah, yeah. Fairyland or whatever, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think will be phenomenal, and mm-hmm. I'm really stoked for that. Yeah, I I realize, like I get it, like I know the last time we kind of had this discussion, Bobby, you were like, this is probably putting his kids through school, yeah. and trust me, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I really understand that comics don't pay a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Anyone who thinks that comics artists are like rolling in it, you're fooling yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so trust me when you can get a big gig like this from Marvel, um, you know, take it, but I just think he's capable of so much more. Mm. Um, and if I'm going to commit to something from Scotty Young, um, it's like, if it's going to have the baby art, it's going to have a freaking great story. (laughs) Um, and anything kind of, you know, outside of that, like I'm probably going to pass on, Mm. um, Again, I like Rocket Raccoon. I think he's a great writer. I think he's a great artist. Um, he is a nice dude. He's like 
trifecta of awesome. <laughs> uh, but this just wasn't for me. And that's not to say that it's bad. It's just, you know, like, I liked it for what it is. Mm. But going forward, it's not something that I'm going to seek out for myself. All right. Fair enough. Bob. Deep breath. Here we go. Now, would I want to read this month after month after month? No, probably not. Mm. As a diversion in everything being so damned ultra serious right now, <laughs> I found this absolutely charming and winning in the same sort of way that old Mad Magazine, actually Mad Comic Book parodies of superhero. They, they did Wonder Woman and Super Duper Man and all those sort of things back then. And what, it, what you do here, Steve was talking about it being clever. It's the tropes and traits of all these characters played out in this weird little town version of it. And it's still somewhere on Battleworld, these little mm -hmm. characters exist, yeah. which is sort of bizarre in its mm -hmm. own way, which adds this whole extra level to it. That you have Iceman selling you know, snow cones. <laughs> it's just funny. Is there a tremendous through-line story? No, but what there is, I think, is a nice clothesline that's a thread that we can hang all this funny stuff on that references what's really going on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a, there's a panel where we, we, Steve mentioned Bishop and Cable, and they're firing guns around. I'm from the future, me too. And it's just all silliness. And hovering above, it, it's, it's the baby version of Carol and Prince Namor. And I know we're all fighting, but do they think that we're taking it too far with these guns and Namor's quote is, who, Cable and Bishop? They're harmless. We replaced all their ammo with light runs. They're basically giant laser pointers, <laughs> which is what should have happened to those characters about 25 years ago, because I'm just sort of sick of that. But you know, Cap saves Cyclops, the, the master of the worst jokes on, on <laughs> Battleworld, because he just he, they are the worst. <laughs> it is a wonderful, light dessert. It, it's sherbet. After a full meal of everything else, and I was just completely won over. I would, I'll read a second issue of this. I wouldn't, again, month to month, I'd probably get really damn sick of it. Mm -hmm. But as something to read every now and again to say, when, when they did some years back, they were doing, Marvel did Impossible Man specials. They do Christmas and Summers. They did the Franklin Richards things. If this came out quarterly, I'm in. Mm. I'm absolutely in. I don't buy those covers. I love what he does. They're just not for me, though I do buy all the Stephanie Buscema covers, mm -hmm. so I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> or, or at least inconsistent. <laughs> I found this to be a heck of a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, me too. I mean, I think that it's very clever. It was very funny. Uh, I, I had a really good time uh, reading it, and there was definitely some laugh-out-loud moments. A couple of little details I love here. On the cover, it has the Avengers and the X-Men facing off, but Wolverine is on both teams yeah, yeah and the avengers wolverine is like <laughs> snarling and the x-men wolverine is like what's what's going on here i thought that was a pretty little that was a funny touch um there was a lot of little stuff that i really liked like when they're online uh um one of the vendor lines or whatever uh daredevil's on the line and he's facing the wrong way he's i didn't notice that yeah, yes look yeah <laughs> which, I, which i thought was really really funny um, you know, there's a lot of characters. There's a lot of stuff going on. I like that they bring the bot, the battle of Avengers vs X Men down to who can have the best kind of like lemonade stand in in a lot of ways. Um, and there was this moment where, I, and I heard it perfectly, kind of in Chris Hemsworth's Thor voice, 
but they're they're it's like a escalation battle right it's like oh i got snow cones oh we got like a hot dog cart oh we've got a hamburger cart and then it's toad in the blob and toad wants ribs and just from off panel the, it's the last panel of the page it says thou wantest ribs <laughs> and i just heard chris, chris Hemsworth's voice in my head um and it, it made me laugh so yeah i mean i, I definitely laughed I, I definitely had a good time with it i mean like I echo what kind of what Bob said as well. Like this is not something I'd probably read every month if it was coming out every month. But for a couple of issues just here and there, like I think it's a great kind of oh this is funny and cute and and, and very clever and you know it probably wear out its welcome after a while. But just like you, Bob, I don't really buy the covers. Like I see them and I think they look they look cool. Um, but you know I I don't really pay much attention to them except when they kind of are right in front of my face. So I I don't really feel burned out on on, on the style very much. And yeah, as long as he does other stuff except for this, I'm I'm totally totally happy yeah. with, with what it is. It was a lot of fun. I thought mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun to read. Do we have any comments? Yes, we do. Oh, good. Uh, uh, Kelly Heron, who is at Kelly Heron twenty seven, said, "Loved it." Scotty Young managed not only delight but also surprise. No idea who the twins are, but I want to see more. Um, so uh, Ma- Maria Norris says, uh, "So adorable and and cute." Uh, so adorable and cute my ovaries were aching but also a bit too <laughs> hectic um uh hubert who is at stimuli file says not much of a story but good dumb fun imagine a hickman scotty young secret wars that'd be a hoot um stephen clark who's at nh underscore stephen nh says great art interesting plot and funny interaction between these characters i'm excited for number two um hugh perry who's at h underscore paz uh magic is right they're action figures not dolls a fun little palette <laughs> cleanser compared to the rest of secret wars um uh randy ochoa who's at rz ochoa says this book shares shows me the kind of artist and comic creator i want to be um this is uh mike who's at liberal bastion not really sure how to review this fun art light tone but there really isn't much story sort of like the comic book equivalent of pixie sticks um paul e hart who is at paulie wise 84 says a uh, little avengers giant size little avengers versus x-men was a breath of fresh air daredevil looking the other way in the line <laughs> i busted out laughing um at kinky comic girl who's carol cross says uh um heard folks have said they have enough of scotty young style but i haven't the book was so good and fun i want an ongoing uh at the brad pinder says loved it so fun so colorful funny as i'd say hell but heck feels more appropriate um thor i hammer time word kaboometh (laughs) (laughs) um uh jason dunn who's at cts finest says is the cutest it's a uh, giant size uh marvel uh giant giant ah giant size little marvel Avengers vs. X-Men. Not easy, is, is it? The cutest, I had to do it last week. <laughs> yeah, is right, the cutest yeah. effing comic I've ever read. Daredevil facing the wrong way at the hot dog cart. Genius. Um, D- Dan Sims at Stupid Stupid Dan says this. <laughs> <laughs> this like a creep. Um, like loved it. it. He, he tweeted a picture of it. Um, at Bastard Blogger, who's Ross Aftermath, says Giant Size Little Marvel AVX is wonderfully written and illustrated. Babies, Cable, and Bishop. Enough said. I'm from the future. <coughs> at bad knee groon says freaking hilarious so many one-liners baby deadpool f the world why isn't why isn't issue two out yet um cyclops storm make it rain um <laughs> mr uh mr moisten fruit says for having a mustache and goatee 
No one also loved the last page calling out the Marvel versus Fox twins dispute. Uh, Scotty Young loves Scotty Young. Um, giant size, little Marvel AVX, uh, the same person, w- was brilliant. Young is hilarious and the, his art ridiculous. I mean, who else calls out Baby Stark? Um, Mark Thompson says, I'm so glad Giant Size uh, is the, the, the book of the week. I absolutely loved it. Cute and fun in buckets. I just uh, smiles and sighs happily. Um, all right. That's it. Well then, that was we got a lot of reactions. To yeah. That one. All right, Bob. It's your choice this week. Well, we'll see if we get the same number of reactions next okay. time around. But you never know. Mm-hmm. I was struggling. A lot of things to pick from. The big week, even for me. And what I finally lit upon was a number one in the new DC. Why mm-hmm. you? <laughs> and that is Starfire number one by Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti with art by Emanuela Lupicino. Mm-hmm. Hey. Now, there was a preview in Convergence in one of the issues I was reading that just seemed to be on the lines of the Terra series or the Power Girl that Amanda and Jimmy did before. Mm-hmm. It's a very fish-out-of-water sort of series as th- this character who's not been served well over the last couple of years is now trying to carve out a new life in Miami Beach. <laughs> Why not, right? Uh, the actual solicitation is she's an alien warrior princess trying to find peace on Earth and she'll fight anyone and anything to get it. <laughs> no, that, I think, tells you the tone of this. It, I think it will be light, if not frothy, with a little bit of earthiness to it, it being Amanda and Jimmy. So I think we will be able to see the start of the reclaiming of this character to back where she was under Wolfman and Perez years and years ago in those old Great Titans issues. So my pick is Starfire number one. All right. Excellent. I'm excited to check it out. I'm a big fan of Starfire, so we'll see. I, I heard as well that there's going to be a lot of... Uh, they're really kind of creating a new kind of rogues gallery for her. Awesome. Because she's never really had one before, so they're they're trying to create that. Well, that's what I heard. Cool. Uh, at least. Is Harley Quinn continuing? They're going to do yes. both? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That comes out today. Is that, And that's going to be a the, jumping the, on point yes, as well? it's the League of Harleys. There right. are 12 Harleys in this issue. Damn. And one of them, I guess, is going to use the Scatapult. I'm I, just thinking. I got to get that book. I have the hardcover of the first volume, and I believe the second volume is out. Yes? Yes, I think so. I think I saw it at the con. Yes. Yeah, I got to catch up with that. Oh, man, I wish... um, Well, you didn't know. I didn't know you were behind. How are we not psychically linked by now, Bob? (laughs) We should have. We We shared a hotel room. And the shaft (laughs) Dude, our room was swanky. (laughs) It was nice. They were holding um, some kind of like... To, uh, was it Tony Award, Tony after Awards, party yeah. thing mm-hmm. going on? Pre and after oh, party. Oh, pre and after party. Mm-hmm. Nice. But we couldn't go upstairs because I didn't bring a suit. <laughs> I tried well, you're to... walking around in the hallways barefoot. <laughs> I don't think they're letting you <laughs> not upstairs. Let, not, not let you in the Tony's party. Now, we thought at one point we might have balanced out. Because I, I was wearing a tuxedo and he oh. had bare, bare feet and shorts. So we thought that in between, that meant we were wearing a leisure suit, I guess. I'll have you know, <laughs> they were Batman shorts first, Okay. Well, still, That's I don't, true. I don't, they think were, they, I don't think they really want that, though. Oh, you'd be surprised. I think they were better off with your Stella, with yeah. the zebra robe and the hat. That might have gotten you in. That was really comfortable, but really <laughs> warm after a couple of minutes. <laughs> we had a really good time, though. Like we really, we really did. Like mm-hmm. I know we did. Uh, we did some stuff. Did we release that yet? The... It's it's out, it's out on this show. They already heard it. Oh, <laughs> well, my my. Yeah, it happened at the beginning of the show, Steve. Come on. No, oh, I wasn't here. It was on the way. I was on my way to Comac. My my commute is now an hour. It's so. not an hour from you where you live. It's gonna be an hour. It's not an hour. No, it's not. It's forty minutes. Mm. 
Um, anyway, um, so let's talk about this this uh, Punisher news. Uh, John Berenthal. John Berenthal. I never know how to say his name. Berenthal. 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 Of Walking Dead fame uh, is playing Frank Castle, a.k.a. The Punisher, in season two of Daredevil. Um, what I want to... I mean, I think it's cool casting. I think he looks like him. I think it ended up being pretty cool. Uh, what I want to know is, Bob, what do you think this means for season two of Daredevil? Not still having seen season one. Right, I know. But... We're connecting to other avenues into the Marvel Universe. Very, very important moving forward. You're going to have to keep broadening the scope mm. of things. You have a character that now is on both sides of the law. Interesting. Do you have Matt trying to take him down? Mm. Are they going to join up as vigilante somewhere? And will that go well or badly? The story possibilities are endless. We're... I know I haven't seen it yet, so I'm, I'm guessing from what all you were saying that it was pretty violent. Mm-hmm. At least the fight scenes oh, yes. were yes. really, really yes. up there. So Definitely. this this yeah. character fits into that world. We're not mm-hmm. bringing in someone that's out of left field. And mm-hmm. how does this all work? Where they've reclaimed the Punisher right. Mm-hmm. Ghost Rider is now on their side. Mm-hmm. That's a character that could se- seemingly fit into these other stories as Blade we move as well. forward. Wow. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to start to add. Other layers to this, they could create the Netflix Marvel Cinematic Universe, Mm -hmm. put enough characters into it that this Defenders movie that they've been postulating, Mm -hmm. it's looking better and better as the the amount of world building they're doing in this this small little corner of it. Mm -hmm. It's not so small anymore. No. Very intrigued. Yeah, absolutely. Stephanie, what do you think about this news? I mean, how do you feel about the casting and how do you feel about the Punisher being in season two of Daredevil? Um, I think that's going to be really cool. I think it's going to be a really interesting uh, season, if that's the case. I don't necessarily really like that character, mostly because he always plays a dick. (laughs) Um, So, I mean... Oh, the actor, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's always such an asshole. Um, That is very true. Yeah. (laughs) And I get it. Like, that's fine, Mm because he's doing a good job of acting, unless he really is a dick in real life, and then he's just... You know, maybe not doing such a good job at acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just being himself. <laughs> uh, but either way, I always see him playing a villain. Um, again, because he's a dick. <laughs> um, so, I mean, sure. The Punisher's kind of anti-hero, mm-hmm. you know? He's, I think he's the definition well, of yes. anti-hero. He, he's a dick. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> dicks playing dicks. <laughs> <laughs> That's the quote. Yeah, there's, there's the post <laughs> yeah, title. Oh, the, tra- the trailer for Daredevil season two: dicks being dicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's my professional opinion. <laughs> I I think I've been saying since I I think the Tom Jane Punisher movie that I always felt like Punisher belonged as a supporting character in kind of the general Marvel universe. And obviously back then there was no overall Marvel universe. And I think Punisher was like lion's gate or something like that. Yes. And, and everything else was, you know, obviously all spread out. But I think a lot of that comes from me. I think the first really exposure I ever had to the Punisher was watching, um, the Spider-Man animated series. Cause he shows up in that, like hunting Spider-Man because Spider-Man is like a bad guy. They, they think he's a, that's how it started yeah, with yeah Jonah sending him after yeah, Spider-Man. Exactly. Right? So that that's that's where my first exposure was to him, and and I loved that 
play off of, of those characters. I think the Daredevil thing will bring a lot of the same feeling to it. And uh, yeah, I think that it works great because he's the kind of character who can kind of exist throughout the, the shows and throughout the other shows. And I think that he works really well um, as a character that can bounce off other ones. And I think that the casting is great and hopefully it, it really will, will end up being something special. Steve, what do you think? Um, I'm excited for Punisher being in Daredevil. Um, mm-hmm. They've mentioned uh, another possible rumor casting, but uh, I mean, I, I'm kind of picturing it as being almost like a No Country for Old Men kind of setup in the like the chase mm-hmm. and Punisher yeah. going after Daredevil or vice versa. It would be cool to see them kind of team up, but I feel like maybe they did that a little bit in the first season where he kind of was working with people that he was uh, going after. Uh, I don't want to give away too That's much. That's okay. Yeah. But, um, I mean, as far as the Punisher, it seems like a really, really good platform to bring him in on, that if they're not going to go ahead and do a major motion picture mm-hmm. and try to revitalize the character mm-hmm. that way, I don't necessarily know where he would fit in in that Marvel universe. So to put him in, like, we've only gotten one so far, but so far the the Marvel universe on Netflix has been painted as a, you know, weightier, grittier, darker type of Marvel, mm-hmm. like a like a like a Marvel Knights style universe. And I just think that he's much better suited to do that. Right. Um as far as the actor goes, I've only seen him in, you know, a season and a half of The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like him in that. That's nothing against the actor. It's just the character that he was playing was meant like Stephanie said to be a dick. Right. So how do you judge somebody's acting prowess based on an asshole character? Right. Yeah. You really can't. Um, I they maybe grow his hair out a little bit, part it, you know, <laughs> comb it to the side, throw some pomade in there, get him a nice skull shirt. Um, I would. It would be a really nice great skull shirt. Yeah, yeah of yeah. course. A nice skull shirt as opposed <laughs> to a not nice so skull nice shirt. one. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that skull shirt. It's not so nice. <laughs> I think it'll be a good opportunity to kind of to give that actor um, a bigger role. Like he's been he's been doing kind of these like secondary characters mm-hmm. and dick characters. Well, maybe he'll still be a dick mm-hmm. character, but he'll be you know the antagonist and, and, and front and center. And it could open up a lot of doors for him in the future. Right. Um, he was a major dick in fury. I mean, literally he was in the army. He might've been a major and he was also a dick. Was that the Brad Pitt movie? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. He played Grady Kunas Travis. Kunas. Yep. <laughs> wow. I did not. I, that is what his name is. is I that am a nickname. Yep. Kunas. Yep. Jeez. He was in The Wolf of Wall Street, which could also be known as The Douche of Wall Street. Um, oh, that's right. He was in The Wolf of Wall Street. Yep. He was in Mob City, that's right. where he oh, played him in that a movie. mob douche. <laughs> he was still match, a dick, but I liked him a douche. in that. <laughs> Snitch with The Rock, a douche. <laughs> oh, my God. He is just... He is... Well, you know what? He's doing his job well then, yeah. because if those characters are meant for you to not like him, I don't like him. So mm-hmm. there you he go. Played, in Night of the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian, he played Al Capone. <laughs> there oh you go. Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> you're right. I totally watched that a few weeks ago. It was terrible. <laughs> I I'm sorry. First... I did not mean to interrupt. I'm looking no, that, no, was, no, that no, was helpful. It amplified what we were talking about. For he the is... record, I like the first two night at the Night of the Museums. Just... 
That's okay. that's great. Just putting that out there. It's great. Yeah, I know. I'm so happy for you. I know everybody's day is made. <laughs> so happy uh, that you're gonna walk away from this podcast going, man, my life the museum. is complete. <laughs> oh, Steve, Steve likes the first night at the museums. Get out. Um, I'm gonna play the lottery today. <laughs> Uh, I mean, the other rumors, so you, you kind of alluded to some rumors. Yeah. Uh, Jason Statham possibly playing Bullseye is a big rumor <gasps> happening right wow. now. That would be cool. Which would be amazing. And there's been no actress's name, but they're probably doing casting for Electra. Electra. <sighs> yep. So who knows not how much. Jennifer or, Garner. Not Jennifer Garner. And how much or little uh, it would be in there. Bob, but who would you like to see play Electra? Wow. Mm. We're I'm also getting big, more Night Nurse. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. Really up on lots of mm. new actresses, so mm. we need someone. Okay, like dream casting. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to oh, be somebody uh, ever that's oh, plausible for, from all in all of movie history and everything yeah. else. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Diana Rigg do that. Obviously, <laughs> if we're going to say anyone could do any of this, someone could play Emma Peel. Could certainly play Electra and actually do <laughs> do the the stunts that went with it. But we maybe want someone with a little more evil overtones and a little something extra. Hmm. Hmm. Let's see. Um, I'm so bad at this. I it's tough. Know. Well, because also like they're going to just cast somebody that you ne- would never expect. Usually. And, yeah. and they'll be great. I mean, I never would have said like, oh, Charlie Cox is going to play Matt Murdock or um, Elde- the guy from Mighty Ducks is going to play Foggy Nelson. He's going to be awesome. That blew my mind. You know, like that stuff is just... It just happens, you know, and the, the, they'll cast somebody awesome, probably. And we'll see what happens. I mean, the other thing, too, is they, they renamed uh, just AKA Jessica Jones to just Jessica they Jones. They took the AKA. Yes. That was a good um, move. Which I'm okay with. <laughs> somebody was like, Elijah Dushku? <laughs> no. I love Elijah Dushku, but I think she's a little bit, I don't know, she doesn't seem right to me. I recently watched Bring It On again for like the first time in since like high school. Mm. That movie. Did not age well in the sense that I felt so uncomfortable. There is so much homophobia. Oh, that. really? I haven't watched that movie there in so long. There are so many bad words. <laughs> I was like, oh boy, you guys are not allowed to talk like that on TV anymore. They used to get away with a lot of stuff. There was some stuff mm-hmm. even in the Monster Squad that was like just horrible. Yeah, I mean, Monster. But the thing about Monster Squad is like, I, I feel like they're talking like kids. Oh, I know. Talk. Um, I'm just saying, like, kids are are not allowed to talk that way anymore. Even in the Goonies, there was some stuff. Yeah, I know. But kids do um, talk that way. That's I rather which yes. movies still reflected that a little bit more. Hmm. So I'm looking at um oh, a link here, and there's two actresses that have apparently uh, been auditioned auditioning Shiva. Callis Salvin um, and Wish You Were Here actress Louisa Mignon. Okay. Those are apparently two people potentially um, up for Electra. In- okay. But that's like a, a little while ago. That was a news thing from a while back. But I don't know either of those people. Me hmm. neither. Are they bringing over the, the showrunner is now going to be working with Arrow, I believe? The director? What? They're they're bringing <laughs> those over, were a lot of words that didn't make sense to me. They're bringing over people from the from the Daredevil um, like Netflix team over into Arrow. Well, they announced that Lexi Alexander, who directed um, a Punisher Warzone, is going to be directing an episode of Arrow. That's the only Arrow noise, news I've really heard. Hmm. Yeah, so I don't know. All right, I'll have to look it up. I didn't hear. Have that, you? So. Did you ever see um, the show Life? Yeah. Um, yes. 
You know who might be like a really interesting Electra? Uh, Sarah Shahi. Is she the like the partner? Yeah. Yeah, she was great on that show. She's, that show's awesome. Um, she's Iranian and Spanish, hmm. but she's gorgeous and she's really really awesome. I think she would be a good actress for that. Yeah. I always thought that guy, Damien Lewis, he's the actor in it. I always yeah. thought he would have been a great Matt Murdock. That was one of the people I had picked. Oh my God, yes. He looks just like him, too. Well, he's in Homeland, or he was. He I was in Homeland, yeah. I've only yeah. seen the first season of that, but yes. I love him. He's amazing. Band of Brothers as well. He's awesome in that movie um, as well. Yeah. Sarah Shahi, that's my pick for Electra. All right. Very nice. Um, let's talk quickly about this all new, all different Marvel stuff that got announced. Uh, we had a. Uh, an image came out, which uh, I guess two images came out, two slightly mm-hmm. different images, uh, both of which feature Iron Man directly in the center. And we talked about that a little earlier. Iron Man will be Tony Stark, and it will be written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by David Marquez. By the way, he cut me in line at Katie Cook's table. Brian Michael Bendis? Yes, he did. It's another reason, Bob. It's another no, reason no. your nemesis. He was, no, he was. <laughs> at the table. He was. <laughs> you were shaking his fist at him? He was entirely very very pleasant he asked nicely off to the side and everyone went please do he's also about four foot six. Oh, really no really no he's, <laughs> he's, he's about he's about five five. Oh wow okay. we saw him getting out of his town car when he first yep. arrived and i yelled his name lauren was so embarrassed <laughs> brian <laughs> oh my god i can't believe you just did that i was like what who cares <laughs> no, he's really buying some prints for his children oh, no, he, okay. he was he was very he apologized to everybody about i just have to get to a panel and now he was very nice mm. man um, all right, so this image that came out, we've, it features Dr. Spectrum of the Great Society. It's a holdover from the Jonathan Hickman Avengers run. Citizen Five, originally the heroic alter ego of Baron Zemo in his original Thunderbolt uniform. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thing and Rocket Raccoon sporting matching Guardians of the Galaxy team uniforms. Yeah. Uh, while it may not look like him, Marvel has confirmed that the, the human Karnak is rocking a street-level look. That's, this is all from comic book, uh, comic book resources. Hyperion? Uh, obviously, new universe and, and now, right? He's the universe? No, no. Hyperion oh. and Doctor Spectrum are from the Squadron Supreme. Squadron Supreme, that's right. Um, uh, the, the protagonist from Inhuman, uh, Inferno, is, on the, is in the image, along with Medusa. Nice. Uh, Daredevil uh, is there. X-23, who's confirmed by Marvel to be the new Wolverine. Yeah. Um, Star-Lord, uh, looking like Star-Lord. Uh, a mostly unchanged Doctor Strange, except he's carrying a massive battle axe. <laughs> and, yeah, he uh, needs that. And old man Logan uh, as, as well uh, on here. Uh, so uh, let, let's go to... Uh, Bob, what, what did you think of this? Look, it's a it's a new start, and until we see the books, looking at images, I could complain till the cows come home. Why does Doctor Strange need an axe? (laughs) But it's an image, and we don't know what the story is going to be like. We don't even know who's writing a Doctor Strange series, if there's even a series. So I. I think it's lovely that we have some of these characters moving forward that from the battle world, battle zones, weird worlds, whatever's going on. Old Man Logan, which you were speaking yeah. so highly of last week, certainly deserves a place, and yet the legacies continue. I, I, I like complaining. <laughs> if people have listened to this show for a number of years, you know I love complaining about things. Uh, it came up on the forums over the, uh, this day or so. We've had some really interesting conversations beating over there. My only thought is I would love to be able to see the continuing adventures of 
the original versions of some of these and have these new ones as well. Mm-hmm. When we talked about the new 52, I was all, I'm great on the new 52 if I have the old 26. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'd love to see here. It's great that for people who are new to this, that we have the new Thor and Sam Wilson as Cap and, and the rest. I'd like to see Sam Wilson as the Falcon too because that was a great mm-hmm. character. And still see Steve Rogers be Captain America. We have lots of creators who are underused mm-hmm. and titles not used as much as they should be that we could, instead of having 14 X-Men books or 14 Avengers books, how about we split some of those up into giving books to, well, younger people, older people, and our core audience. Let's serve everybody. Mm-hmm. As an image, I think that's a really cool image. I think there's some really fun stories in there. Let's get bigger, just mm-hmm. as Tony Stark said. <laughs> ha ha! I don't read these books. Quoting, huh? quoting Tony Stark. Yeah, yeah, go. <laughs> <laughs> um, they released another image too, which I can't seem to find. But it it had um, I be- it had some of the Shield characters. It had Coulson on it. Right, Daredevil in black. That yeah, was the one. Yeah, th- that was the that was an image I just talked about. But it Coulson on it, it had Old Man Steve Rogers and kind of his like his like Winter Soldier type of mm-hmm. outfit. His like uh his head of the Secret Avengers type outfit. With a really big nose. Yeah, with a really big nose. Miles Morales, um, uh, Ms. Marvel, you know, Kamala Khan was on there uh, as well. I'm just going through these individual images. That was where Thor was and Spider-Gwen and, and Spider-Man. And I don't know who the Indian character is. I look, Red Wolf. Red Wolf. From Marvel Spotlight number... Oh, boy. 20. <laughs> it also had Spider-Woman on it, um, Black Panther, Ant-Man... Um, and that had also Sam Wilson, Captain America yeah. on it as well. So featuring a lot of different characters. Um, uh, seemingly, you know, very much going at their whole, like, there's a lot more diversity there. The, the, there's a lot more attempts to make things uh, different. You know, the, a lot of characters, not all the characters you'd expect and different versions of the characters that you would expect uh, on there. Um, you know, I, I think for me personally, I'm pretty excited about X-23 uh, as Wolverine. I think that's mm-hmm. a really cool one. Makes sense. She's his clone. Uh, completely makes sense that she would take over over that mantle, um, and you know I really I've really liked the obviously the, uh, the I don't want to we spoiled already but the female Thor yes. <laughs> identity identity of which I will not divulge right now if you haven't heard it yet and I, what I like about this is and I agree with you Bob I hope that they do um, have I mean you, you see you see older versions right you get old man Logan and you have older Steve um, who are kind of older versions of, of those characters obviously. I do. One of the things I loved about uh, pre fifty two DC, and one thing they seem to be kind of bringing back in a, in a little bit, is the idea of legacy characters. I like the because I like the I, the sense of family that it that it becomes that that, that this person has a mentor mentee type of relationship, somebody they can go to, and that they can have advice from, or they can have you know kind of like um, headbutting with because they have different philosophies on how you do this. Uh, and I hope to see that in, in the Marvel Universe, absolutely. Um, but I agree with you. I do hope that, I mean, I, I assume that Odin's son will still be there and we'll get, we'll get all these other characters. And who knows what the future will hold for all these people. But um, I like the idea and I'm excited by the idea that there is going to be two Spider-Men in, in the universe. That, you know, we, ha- we still have a Ms. Marvel and a Captain Marvel. You know, th- these kind of things excite me because I like the idea of um, a more i guess family like universe in that way um and so i hope that that's what what comes of all of this yeah steve what about you 
I'm excited for it. Mm. I am. I like, um, I've always liked uh, David Marquez's artwork, uh, particularly on the Miles Morales mm. stuff. Um, it's nice to see him on another big book. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis. I have liked aspects of the vast majority mm. of what he's done with all new X-Men and Uncanny X-Men over the past, I guess, two years mm. or so. Not every, you know, plot line is hit, but um, some of the stuff that he did, uh, particularly on, on, on Uncanny, was exciting. I liked that he introduced us to, you know, a new generation of heroes and kind of the weird powers that some of them had. Like he came up with the gold balls character. Mm, yeah. And not only was his power really interesting, but his growth from like, you know, from inception to where he is now on the team, now he can control his powers and now like he kind of uses them in cool ways mm -hmm. and how he was this, you know, timid, almost like family boy kind of thing, but was then, you know, wrenched from his normalcy and now he is this, you know, he's a superhero, mm. you know, and I like seeing him pluck, I like to see him pluck a character from obscurity and take just your, your average everyday, just guy that doesn't get noticed in the halls, doesn't, pretty girls don't talk to him or whatever, and watching his confidence build over the course of that series has been really cool. Mm. Um, I'm excited to see kind of the relationships that form who is going to get along with who, where the rivalry is going to be, uh, who's going to team up. I'm very, very excited about the X-23 uh, taking over the Wolverine uh, identity. I feel like she deserves it. Uh, I feel like it'll be really cool to have her um, just donning that costume and being called the Wolverine. Uh, I mean, I already said that she deserves it. <laughs> she's kind of, not that I haven't kept up with where she's been in like stories now, but she used to be kind of like, she was very much a loner and on her own and she kind of doesn't get along with people and she goes off and has her own adventures and we have to hear about them like secondhand or they, she comes back into the fray later and it's all told through flashbacks and whatever. It'll be nice to have her like in the mix uh, with these other characters. Tony Stark being Iron Man is absolutely no surprise to me whatsoever. Like I, I we speculated on a bunch of stuff, but I, that seems like when they announced it, I was like, well, of course. Mm. So, I mean, that's cool. And I mean, you know, they're going to, things, things change. The whole, the whole point of all of this stuff, all this reset stuff is for things to change. Those other stories, those other teams and, you know, the writers and the stories that you loved reading and the attitudes of those characters will always be there. Mm -hmm. You know, this is people's chances to get in on the ground floor of something new. Once again, you know, we started this podcast with, you know, a reawakening or, or a resurgence of these characters and a retelling of them. And now we're witnessing, you know, another generational shift in this stuff. But now we've been reading for a while. We have that, you know, before history. Mm -hmm. And now, of course, we're going to be a little bristled and a little, you know, uh, like slanty-eyed and judgmental. And like, mm -hmm. you know, what are they going to do? And who, how are they going to handle this? And whatever. And I like the unknowing. I like the mystery. I like the mixing it up. And I've seen some really weird things from uh, Secret Wars so far. A lot of it I don't necessarily understand. I don't know if I necessarily understand the battle world yet and the rules and how I've read books where characters have died, like major, major characters have died within the first few pages. And I'm like, okay, so like, is that it? Well, there's a bunch of different versions of all the characters though. Yeah, see, I yeah. don't, I, I still don't, I still don't get that well, that's, yet. That, that's, but that's all there is to get. There's a bunch of different versions of all the characters. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of wish that that was a little bit 
all the universes more, are smushed together. Yeah. So there's different versions of all from ever, ever, all these different places. But have we been told how many? Like how many? Well, no, because I'm sure there's not a number. I'm sure they have no idea how many. All right. Well, <laughs> I've seen, like I said, I've seen some pretty some pretty major characters bite it, and mm. I've never seen other versions of those characters, mm. so I have no idea what I'm going to get. Like mm. if I'm going to get a new Gambit, I only know of one Gambit mm. out of anything. And there's a, there's a gambit in every one of those X worlds. Yeah. All right, and they're all yeah. they're all going to be different. Yeah. Well, yeah. like I said, it's the unknowing. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the, uh, the unknowing excites me. These number ones coming out and starting, you know, fresh and with all these new weird rules. And that's pretty much the overall thing is that it's weird. Mm-hmm. And I like weird. I like when Marvel does weird. It mm-hmm. seems like a really, really blown out, strange tales universe that we're getting so far. Mm-hmm. And I kind of dig that. Stephanie, what do you think of X-23 as Wolverine? I think that's pretty cool. Um, I mean, it's probably going to be temporary (laughs) uh, as most, you know, not major characters playing major characters tends to be. It's comic book. It's all temporary. Yeah. So, I mean, (laughs) I I will take this with a grain of salt, but it's still pretty cool. Um, As for the rest of the stuff... Whatever. I, I think it's cool. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, what I what I, what I like about it is the, the characters they're promoting it on. I like that they're promoting it on a characters you wouldn't necessarily expect. Mm-hmm. That I like. Um, I like that you know Miles and Kamala and these characters are, are central to their marketing. I think that's great. Uh, and uh, you know, I mean, it's it's Wolverine. So, but it, there is an X Man on there on their main like thrust of of marketing for this new agenda. So you can you can you can probably guess that there's going to be some X-Men going on in the in the new in the new universe. Um also X Alonso said he had a big interview this this week uh with with uh New York Post and they ran a bunch of it on CBR and check out if you get a chance. He like said well, he kind of put his hand up and said, "Well, it's not a reboot." That's what he said. We're putting new toppings on the old pizza. Yeah, the back with the pizza analogy, yeah, which I, yeah. I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get why they have to keep with the pizza analogy. But he likes pizza. Apparently, yeah, he loves pizza. Yes. But, but he uh, he said that it's not a reboot. That all the history will have existed, but it's just going to be an easier way to get into characters and stuff like that with the new stuff happening. Yeah, yeah sounds good. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, I, I but I'll, I'll always like take anything anyone says, both whether I like it or hate it. With a grain of salt until I actually see what it what it's going to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Very true. I try not to I try to reserve judgment on on both ends until I actually get what what, yeah. what they said they're going to deliver. Well, I mean, all these opinions are based on speculation. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know? yeah absolutely. No, I've read the X twenty three Wolverine book and I know it's going to be good. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, seventy. Any more stuff about the new Marvel universe you wanted you wanted to say? No. Okay. <laughs> so you don't sound sure. Um, yeah, we're good. We're good. We're good. It's fine. All right. So. Uh, yeah, so that's gonna do it for our, our Talking oh. Comics podcast. I mean, we talked about a lot of stuff. It was, yeah. long, it was a long podcast. It's a very long podcast. Almost three hours. It's gonna be three hours once the actual like uh, um, twenty Interviews minutes, is, twenty minutes is in yeah. there. You're welcome from the thing. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> three hours of your life down the tubes listening to us talk about stuff. Hey now, um, if you guys want to get in touch with us at Talking Comics on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics, and podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com is the email address. Um, if you're so inclined, head to, uh, click on the Patreon button on our website and become a patron. Um, uh, I talked about this on the, on the behind the scenes I did this week, but with kind of the new digs and the new office, it's going to be a lot easier to do more content now. Um, and so stuff that we had kind of promised, but haven't delivered, we'll be able to, we'll be able to deliver uh, a, a lot more now. So, 
um, now's a good time to get on the train uh, for, for, for that stuff. Uh, so check that out if, if you if you're so inclined. Um, if you want to, uh, no, I don't want to do personal Twitters yet. I want to talk about the website, talkingcomicbooks.com, where you can find reviews, columns, and our bevy of podcasts. Uh, see, I, there's lots of to go through at the end, and the personal Twitters is my is my mark for being done. Yes, is my being done with everything? So I have to leave it till the end because it's like yes. it's my brain on the right track. It's a good schedule. Yeah, uh, <laughs> check out our podcast. We have, of course, the Misfits with Stephanie Cook, Melissa Megan, and Mara Wood. Stephanie, what was the topic this week? Rambling. Rambling. So- yeah, it was just Mara and me. We did uh, recommendations and talked about the um, well, the new trailer for The Martian dropped on Monday, mm-hmm. um, but we were talking about. Uh, the viral video that, that was they cool. released. Yeah, 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 yeah. We talked about that a little bit. Um, not surprisingly, Mara talked about kilts and Outlander. <laughs> um, anyone who follows Mara, even, you know, casually at best, will know <laughs> that she's obsessed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yep, that that came up. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was just me and Mara because Melissa was in uh, at New York Comic Con. And uh, it, it was good. It was good. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Talking Movies with Brian Verderosa, Chris Olafmont, and Nick Scalia. Uh, they have a... Uh, well, right now... What was the last thing they reviewed? My brain just went... Oh, they did Lords of Salem, the Rob Zombie movie. Oh, wow. Uh, but they're kind of starting kind of a new kind of format and stuff this coming week. And they're going to be doing Jurassic World to, to kick it off. Oh. Uh, so that'll be their, their podcast coming up. Uh, uh, usually goes up on Mondays or Tuesdays. It depends on, on, on what day they record. And then, um, of course, we have Talking Valiant with Adam Shaw. Uh, and we have Talking Games. Steve Say, Jackie Turner, Justin Townsend, and Rob Newmeyer. Mm-hmm. More Witcher this week? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be a weird week because hopefully uh, the whole cast will return. Fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe Jackie's hosting. Uh, we'll get the, uh, the details on Justin's newborn baby. Yes. Um, I believe I've seen them playing still a lot of destiny. Yes. So I'm sure there'll be some destiny stories. Um, I'm going to be, uh, plugging in Splatoon later mm-hmm. on this evening cool. when I get home, uh, for the first time. And, uh, I played a game on the Vita called like something like Futurista or something okay. like that. It's like a Star Fox shooter, mm-hmm. really addictive. And the music is phenomenally mm-hmm. cool. So I don't know. It's going to be one of those catching up grab yeah. bag type of podcast. Some news announcements as well. Yeah, E3 is coming up. Mirror's Edge stuff like that. Oh yeah, man. Um, Catalyst. Yeah, E3 is coming up. A couple weeks. Yeah. Next two- week. Next week is E3. That's right. Yes, it kicks off on Sunday with the Bethesda press conference. God, then, of course I'm not going to be here. And then Monday is all of the, all of the stuff. All the press conferences are. Oh, on I'll Monday. be able to watch that. Um, oh, and Elder Scrolls came out this week. Yeah, Elder Scrolls Online came out, this and week. it doesn't work. What a surprise! You no, know, it's a what? It's uh, it's MMO, so it's an online game. So server issues always. Listen to the games podcast. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> My personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve. Mine is at Dead underscore Anchorus. Stephanie. At Hello Cookie. Bob. Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. And that's going to do it for the Don Comics Podcast. Thank you so much to everyone who said hi at, at Special Edition. Yeah. Yes. Uh, thank you to um, all our patrons. And thank you to all our listeners. Uh, had a great month. We're going to continue to grow bigger and get, and get, get you more stuff. Um, really excited about the new office and, and what it will be. And yeah, we're just pumped for the future of, uh, of Talking Comics.
Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. So for Steve. To the future. Bob. Infinity and beyond. <laughs> and Stephanie. Bye. I've been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics. To be continued. <laughs>